Finally, it is Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. Hope your Friday's going well. Still uh, super cold out there, but you know what? We are ready to talk sports. Have a good time with you, and uh, thank you again to Tim Lasher. Lasher Home Comfort Systems bringing you the uh, first hour. Steelman and Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. All right, you know, everybody is still waiting. Everybody is still waiting. Can we get on with these decisions in the portal already? Well, we're waiting. I thought to myself, why on earth don't these guys just hurry up? Speed it the hell up. Let's roll. Come on, let's get this going. Jackson Dart, let's get this going on. Caleb Williams, uh, USC football tweeting out uh, Parker Thune a little over an hour ago, the peace sign, the B for victory sign. Which uh, means exactly nothing. It doesn't mean that Caleb Williams is going to USC? No, it does not. Does it mean um, anything? I mean, last time they tweeted that, that out, they got, what, Brendan Rice? They got Jerry Rice's kid from Colorado. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's in reference to a player. I have no reason to believe that player is Caleb Williams. Dean Blevin says, just told it's down to USC and LSU for Caleb from a source with direct knowledge. No. I'm mm, mm. I'm not going to say any more than that. I'm you, not going to say any more than that. You think no. UCLA is in the lead? Uh, I think UCLA is very much right in now? the mix. I think Wisconsin is very much in the mix. Look, he could end up at USC. I don't know where LSU is coming from. I really don't. You wouldn't want to play with for Brian Kelly after you saw those dance moves? I mean, come on. He's a hip dude. If LSU is where Caleb Williams wanted to be, he would have committed to LSU out of high school. Because LSU was one of, was it one of his final three? It might have been one of his final three now that I'm thinking back. to Yeah, because it was Oklahoma, LSU, Maryland. That was the final three. So, like, LSU was a very strong consideration for Caleb Williams, but especially once Garrett Nussmeyer committed to LSU in that same cycle, that kind of foreclosed the path for Williams to be a Tiger. Also, that was back in the days where Joe Brady was at LSU. Right. Joe Brady is no longer at LSU. Now it is Brian Kelly and that scumbag regime. It is a scumbag regime. There are a couple of scumbag regimes. They will meet each other in their traditional matchup, Southern Cal against, uh, well, I was thinking Notre Dame. They won't meet each other unless they go to, like, you know, playoff situation. So, uh, my bad on that. But, yeah, Brian Kelly at LSU. Um, Somebody, (laughs) I looked at the USC football tweet. The Oklahoma fans, you know, maybe they've lightened up a little bit. I didn't see a, a ton of stuff from the OU fans. Maybe they don't know about it yet. Uh, come on, get after him. Come on, keep it coming. But uh, somebody said Travis Die, right? Have you heard anything on that, Travis? Yeah, Dye? there are some interesting rumblings there. The there Oregon, very the Oregon running back, yes. who was re- really good and was good against the Sooners in the Alamo Bowl. Yeah, and I, a lot of people, myself included, figured that once Travis Die hit the portal, it was a foregone conclusion that he was just following Mario Cristobal to Miami. But I will say. That situation with USC and potentially the 
pull of keeping Travis Dye out on the West Coast. There's been some decent buzz to that effect, so that wouldn't come as a total surprise to me. Can't he go to uh, UCLA with Caleb Williams? Isn't that what we all want? We want Caleb Williams under center because he's not coming back to Oklahoma, it doesn't look like, obviously. Uh, So you want Caleb Williams at UCLA, and you want like Travis Dye at UCLA. And remember, UCLA has Dorian Thompson-Robinson coming back. DTR is coming back at QB for the Bruins, too. Uh, So we'll see how it plays out. But I think if Oklahoma fans get their wish, number one, they just want this to go away now. They want everything to be decided. That's the main thing the Sooner fans want. You know, they just want it to end. But if they had a choice and they've come to the realization that Caleb Williams, you know, uh, almost guaranteed he's not coming back to Oklahoma, I think they'd like to see him go, you know, Hang on, half a hundred on Muleshoe is what they'd like to see, right? Naturally, because they're never going to hate anyone the way that they hate Muleshoe. And there's always going to be that contingent of the fan base, regardless of where he goes, that has a distaste for Caleb Williams because, you know, he wasn't a true Sooner. He didn't have that O-U-D-N-I. You know what? But if he goes to UCLA, he's going to be a real easy guy for the majority of fans to root for because he's going to have a very conspicuous opportunity to stick it to Riley. Yeah, and that lessens the blow of him not coming back to Oklahoma. So I think Caleb's reputation will be pretty good once it's all said and done. Not so much for the old coach. I don't think that's ever really going to change. You know, last night I uh, was getting ready to go to bed and I saw something popped up. It was a story the L.A. Times did on Muleshoe and his background in Muleshoe. They went back to Muleshoe to talk about Muleshoe. And as one does, it, it took me about 45 minutes to get to bed because it got me angry all over again. And I know it is sad. I know I need to get over it. I should have never clicked and read that story. I mean, it was very well done, very well written, but it got me angry all over again. So I'm trying people. I promise you that I am trying my best, but so far, no success. I think you might be angrier at Mule Shoe than anyone else in Sooner Nation right now, Mike. I I'm mean, surprised it hit me this hard because because I can remember being on, you know, talking about, man, when the, when Bob Stoops leaves, Lincoln Riley's the man. They've got their guy right, right here, man. He's really good. And I just never imagined Lincoln Riley leaving uh, Mule Shoe, leaving for another college job, you know. NFL, I could have taken that, but just in the way it went down. I I mean, I've been through this song and dance a million times. So, believe me, I promise you I'm trying to get over it. I should have never read that story last night because I got angry all over again. took me about an hour to get to sleep. Not good. All right, uh, what else is happening in the portal? By the way, the BYU podcasters. Oh, boy. Here we go. The BYU podcasters on the Monty Show. It's Monty and Jake. I'm not sure which one's Monty and which one's Jake, but they cover BYU. One of them says, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, he's like the yes guy. But they continue to think that the BYU Cougars are seriously in play for Jackson Darts. But I think Jackson Dart. Has a has that hometown ping for himself. Mm-hmm. I think he has those those pulling at the heartstrings to play at BYU. Because why else would he waste his time? He could he could have signed a letter yesterday at Oklahoma. Yep. He could have stayed at SC. Cause gone to Ole Miss. So why come visit BYU? Because as I've said, they have a legitimate chance. They've made it very clear to Jackson Dart that they want him to be their starting quarterback, and that they will give him the opportunity to do so. And I don't know, Jackson Dart has never said, to, from my understanding, Jackson Dart has never said to anybody, you need to guarantee me I'm the number one quarterback. 
I don't. I, I've not heard from a single person that he said that. I don't take him to be that kind of guy. Okay, first off, I think Jake is the yes guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's yeah. I, that's going to be Usually my guess. Is that Monty is the one doing the talking? Right. It's the Monty show. So Jake is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Jake is yes guy. Um, I will say this. The longer this drags out, I actually do agree with him. I think the longer this drags out, the better it looks for BYU, especially because they came onto the scene so late. They've got the hometown pull. He just visited there. And so if this continues to drag out, I would say BYU should and will get more confident in their chances of landing Dart. However, the comment about not having to be guaranteed the starting quarterback position, of course, the the soapbox that they're standing on in that regard is that, oh, Jaron Hall is the quarterback at BYU, but mm-hmm. uh, Jackson Dart is going to come in and compete and presumably be the starter in 2022, and that's kind of uh, the pull of BYU beyond the home, you know, the, the proximity to home is you have an opportunity to compete to be the starter. And I guess their perspective therein is that Ole Miss – would guarantee Dart that he's the starter, but that that wouldn't factor into his decision-making process at all. And, like, here's the thing. When you're looking at Oklahoma as a football program versus BYU, and BYU is a good football program, make no mistake about it, but if it is true that Jackson Dart does not need a guarantee with regard to being the starter in 2022... Why would he choose BYU over Oklahoma? Yeah, the only thing that I could think of would be staying close to home. That's it, right? Yeah, I mean, if it's a business decision, Mm -hmm. if it's a decision about football, Oklahoma makes 20 times more sense than BYU. If it's about staying close to home, then fine, I get it. And that's why, again, the longer this drags out, the more confident BYU should and will feel. But if this is about football at its core – and Jackson Dart does not require a guarantee as to whether or not he will be the starter in 2022, then Oklahoma is the most logical spot by far here. I agree. Uh, BYU, again, they've got a pretty good uh, quarterback history. Obviously, Steve Young, Mark Wilson, uh, Detmer. They just sent Zach Wilson, who is Mark's uh, nephew, I believe, uh, to the uh, NFL, first rounder to the New York Jets, of course. So they've had a, a pretty good history. But, yes, if you're looking at it strictly on football programs, Oklahoma would be the choice. Who knows? Uh, I do agree with you, though. The fact that he did take a visit there and that BYU is getting in late, I don't think you can discard or just ignore the BYU factor in this deal. Uh, are we hearing that JT Daniels – that uh, old Miss uh, has shown some interest there. Apparently so. And apparently so. Does that uh, immediately the conclusion is well, Ole Miss may not be feeling very good about Jackson Dart. Well, I don't but know about they, that. They all, you've got to be looking at somebody else because you, it's kind of like what Oklahoma did with Brock Purdy and Jackson Dart. They want a good. They want a competition. Seriously, you would think that Dylan Gabriel would have the edge because of his experience with Jeff Levy and that offense. But you want to get a guy, uh, you know, to compete for the job and be a good quality backup, and that's what I think Ole Miss is trying to do, also. Well, and you got to be hedging your bets in today's day and age you because do. of the transfer portal, right? Yeah. So you cannot put all your eggs in the basket of Jackson Dart, knowing full well that there is a very good chance he ends up at Oklahoma and that there appears to be an increasingly decent chance he might end up back home at BYU. So 
to me, it makes all the sense in the world from a business perspective for Ole Miss to be at least establishing contact with JT Daniels because if you end up up a creek without a paddle in the race for dart and you got to look ahead to 2022 and you're not 100% confident that Luke Altmeyer is your guy, then you got to bring in a veteran to compete for that job. And JT Daniels is probably the most qualified of the veterans that are still out there on the transfer market. Yeah, I hear you. All right, so we're still waiting on those decisions and uh, no word. You know, everybody got, has their noties on on Twitter and uh, getting ready to, you know, probably have they've got something in drafts, you know, that they're ready to tweet out once the decision comes down, either for Jackson Dart or Caleb Williams or Michael Trigg or whoever. But uh, we are still playing the waiting game. It is Friday, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, happy to have Lasher Home Comfort Systems as our sponsor for hour number one here on The Ref. We've got a lot more ahead. Big game for the Sooners coming up tomorrow. Can they get back on track against Baylor? We'll talk about it next.
Feels like it uh, outside today. No doubt about it. I, I think when I woke up this morning and I checked the temperature on the phone, it was 10 degrees. That's ah, not good. Was that your alarm? Or the, the alarm went off, and I, it was really cold uh, in, in the room, in the bedroom, and I'm just like, man, all right, I know we got the heat on. Okay, What's so you, you were outside? up before 10 a.m., though. Oh, gosh, yeah. I'm, dude, I'm up at like 4.15, 4.30 every morning. And that's I've gradually made it from 2.30 a.m. to like 4.15, 4.30 because I had woken up for so many years at like 2.30 in the morning. Uh, to get to the station at 3.30, and now I've, uh, I'm sleeping in. I'm sleeping in to 4.30 a.m. So wow. I, ch- I checked the temp, and it was like 10 degrees. I'm like, Whoa. Our bodies are on very different circadian oh, rhythms, Oh, my Mike. gosh. Dude, I used to be a night owl, Parker. Yeah, I used I, to, I, believe you know, me, I am. I kind of have to be. Yeah, I mean, I used to stay up till 1 a.m. when I was in TV way back in the day before I didn't want to put, put on makeup and nice clothes every day, and I decided, you know what? This isn't for me. I want a hoodie and some jeans and some tennis shoes. That's all I need. Uh, you know, you would get off at 1030 and man, you'd be up to two thirty three in the morning all the time, all the time. All right. Um, Sooner basketball tomorrow opportunity week is what, uh, Porter Moser said again, they did lose to Kansas. I thought they played well. I thought they played hard. I thought Jordan Goldwire had a great game. They clearly missed Ethan Shagwa. We'll see what his availability is for tomorrow. Uh, C.J. Nolan in the second half in concussion protocol certainly didn't help the Sooners, who uh, needed every able body they could. Uh, you know, Maywayne had to play uh, you know some minutes the other night against KU, particularly because of their size inside. But Oklahoma just didn't make enough shots. I mean, Kansas made the big shots down the stretch. The Sooners didn't. Bottom line, that decided the game with Brown and uh, with Obaji finally, you know, hitting a couple threes down the stretch. And now the Sooners have to try and rebound. They're in the midst now of a three-game losing streak. And you have Baylor tomorrow. Then you go to West Virginia next Wednesday. Then you play uh, Saturday the 29th in the Big 12 SEC Challenge at number two Auburn against the number one projected overall pick in Jabari Smith. And uh, Auburn, by the way, plays a big game. They host Kentucky tomorrow if you want to scout Auburn, noon on CBS. Uh, but here's what Porter Moser said about the message to his team after the loss to KU and more tough games still ahead. With that team, I go, I go it sucks losing. I go, that's why you got to keep this in your belly when you lift, when you train, when you watch film. You never forget how you feel right now. I said, but we're going to win a lot of games. We're going to win. You fought. You played. You know, you, you stayed together. We, we did some things we wanted to do. We wanted to have lower turnovers than we did in Fort Worth. Um, and I thought they they fought and they battled and they, they did. They executed a lot of things that we tried to do. Um, and we came up one possession short. So you got to say to them, you first say that, you know, we're, we're, understand, man, we want, this is where we're the program. We're, we're, we want to win this. we got to find ways to win. But we're going to win a lot of games. The way they battled, the way they, they, they stuck in, it's, but they got to have that in their belly. There you go. So tomorrow, 2 o'clock, that game's an ESPN Plus game, by the way. So get, uh, get your mobile device, your iPad, whatever, Windows Surface, uh, because you're going to need that tomorrow, 2 o'clock, ESPN Plus for the Sooners and Baylor. So, Parker. Would it be a better situation for Oklahoma if Baylor had rolled into Norman, uh, came rolling into Norman tomorrow, still undefeated and number one in the country, or is it a better situation that Baylor has lost a couple games now and uh, comes in uh, knowing that you know Scott Drew's team knows you know they can be beat? That's a, you know there are two sides to every coin. 
right? And there are those who would argue, well, it's it's a lot easier to do battle with a team like that when they're down. And those there are those that are, would argue it's a lot easier to do battle with a team like that when they feel like they're invincible, right? And so for this Baylor team, I think it behooves Oklahoma to be heading into this matchup while Baylor is kind of on a downward trend over the last couple of weeks just because the Sooners came close to beating Baylor in Waco at the Farrell Center, right? 84-74 to 74 was the final, but that was a single-digit lead for the vast majority of the game, and there were times where Oklahoma very nearly pulled even. The Sooners gave Baylor hell for 38 minutes of that game before uh, Baylor finally started to pull away over the final couple minutes of that basketball game. But I think you got to think about this from the mentality of the Baylor locker room. Right, You are trying to salvage your reputation nationally as one of the elite programs in college basketball and reascend to that top three, that elite class, that uh, number one seed territory, which you are trending away from based on those two losses last week. And so you kind of start to get a little bit more apprehensive day-to-day and week-to-week because you realize your margin for error is getting smaller. And so... Maybe that apprehension manifests itself in Norman tomorrow at the Lloyd Noble Center because Baylor has seen what Oklahoma has to offer yeah. in terms of their ability to compete and give them a hell of a fight for 40 minutes. I, I You need to see Tanner Groves making some shots, too. And look, at shots that he would normally make earlier in the season just aren't falling now. He had some good looks against KU inside and from the three-point line and just didn't knock him down. I'm not dogging uh, Tanner Groves at all. Those are just uh, sometimes, man, they just don't fall. And they haven't been falling for him. They need to get him going again. Uh, you know, Mo Gibson kind of got going when Oklahoma took the lead in the second half and then uh, cooled down uh, down the stretch, but uh, Ethan Shagwa, C.J. Nolan, we'll see if they're going to be available to play for Oklahoma. That would be big. But, uh, man, the Sooners need a win in the worst way. And and, you they, know. and they need Tanner Groves to start scoring again. They That's do. what it comes down yeah, to. Absolutely. Mo Gibson's playing pretty good basketball. Elijah Harkless has been streaky, but that's what you get with a guy like that. You're getting really solid freshman contributions from C.J. Nolan and Bijan Cortez. For me right now, this team's marquee scorer, this team's best scorer, is Tanner Groves. And he's he's only averaging 12 points a game. And Harkless so, is in a funk too, right? Well, Har- yeah, Harkless is uh, definitely spiraling a little bit as of late, but... Jalen Hill's been solid. Jordan Goldwire, for the most part, has been solid. He made reality his is, best game against KU. Yeah, the reality is, though, Mike, nobody on this team is averaging more than 12 points per game. Yeah. And, and Tanner Groves needs to be that guy. You you don't have a real go-to guy right now. Oklahoma has some good basketball players, but they don't have man clear out unless let this guy create a shot guy. You know, they just don't have that. As you mentioned, uh, those three words you put together, margin of error, I think that is what we're talking about for Oklahoma. It's very small for the Sooners. Uh, because I think they execute for the most part pretty well. I think they defend very well almost every night. Some nights better than others, but they don't really take a night off there. I think they're well drilled. Again, you're just playing in the toughest conference in America, and you're playing against teams that have more talent than you. So, and Baylor is just, you know has as much talent as anybody in the country, and they went into this two-game funk. They seem to have their act back together a little bit. We'll see what happens tomorrow. But, man, ESPN Plus, come on. And look, 
Oklahoma has talent. I don't want to get that twisted. This is a talented basketball team. But there is a difference between being a talented basketball player and being a gifted scorer. And that's one thing that Oklahoma really doesn't have. They don't have a gifted scorer. They have a lot of talented basketball players on that roster. They do not have a true bona fide scorer. Yeah. And, and, and that's I'm, what's holding them back. I'm talking about like a first round NBA pick. Exactly. Kind of talent, you know, and the, the, the guys that they have on the roster are pretty good players, pretty good college players. But again, you know, like when Kansas had Paul Pierce or, you know, when OU had Blake Griffin. Obviously, we're talking about, you know, a guy that's going to be one of the top three to five picks. I'm just talking about a, a guy that's going to play in the NBA, right? Yeah, well, I mean, think about years past, right? Uh, one of the things that distinguishes a scorer right, is the ability to create your own shot. You don't need to be set up. You're not a catch-and-shoot type of guy. You can get the ball in your hands, and you can go make something happen completely independent of the other four players on the court. Buddy Heald was one of the most gifted players in that regard that we have seen in college basketball over the last couple decades. Trey Young, much the same. Since then, it's really only been Austin Reeves that's demonstrated that yeah. capability in an OU uniform. And he didn't – look, you never finish every one of them, but uh, you know they got the ball in his hands so many times down the stretch at the end of the uh, regular season last year, and he made a great move, but he couldn't seem to make the shot. You know, Because I remember there were people saying, man, Austin Reeves gets it every single time and he can't finish. But Austin Reeves is also in the NBA right now playing for the L.A. Lakers and playing some pretty good minutes. And uh, you saw the one guy, I can't remember who they beat when he hit the big three and they all went crazy. Uh, he's he's gotten some good uh, playing time in L.A. and uh, looks like he's pretty solid in the NBA right now. So Sooners and Baylor tomorrow, 2 o'clock uh, at the LNC. Oklahoma State goes to Austin to play Texas, 1 o'clock on ESPN2. The rest of the Big 12 slate. Mountaineers of West Virginia go to Lubbock. What a miserable dump that is. West Virginia and Tech at 11 a.m. Kansas and K-State, 3 o'clock from Bramlage. And TCU at Iowa State is a 3 o'clock start as well. The Sooner women play Sunday at 1 o'clock on ESPN, ESPNU. Jenny Baranchek, man, great, great, great job by Jenny Baranchek. 16-2, 5-1 in the league, uh, playing at Kansas State on Sunday. Mike, you better make a very conscious effort not to even pass through the city of Lubbock because at this point I think you might get shanked if you – if you wandered into city limits. The only reason I would go to Lubbock is to the Buddy Holly Museum. Other than that, eh, I know. Okay, just get no. a security detail if that's what you're going to do. Yeah, you might be the most hated man in that city. Lubbock and Shreveport are my two cities that I despise. Oh, I'm with you on Shreveport. Yeah, Shreveport. And, well, I'm with you on both of them, to be fair. But I just I don't know that my Lubbock hate could ever go toe-to-toe with yours well it, it's uh part of the uh the the tech disease that spread here in norman and uh you know everybody thought they were vaccinated and then they ended up you know nearly in the hospital after what happened when the dude from tech again uh spread that nasty lubbock virus around all right we're gonna break right here it is friday it is tim lasher a great sooner and a great company lasher home comfort system sponsoring our First hour here on Steelman and Thune. Let's talk a little uh, NFL weekend coming up. We have Brandon Drum at 135, as we always do on a Friday. Yes, we're living large. Everybody's working for the weekend. That's what Mike Reno said. Lover boy. I would describe lover boy as cheesy good back in the day. Joe Walsh, a legend. 
tore up hotel rooms and the guitar with the Eagles and his solo career. This is one of his best right here. All right, we'll take a break.
Are the Rams going via bus to Tampa Bay? Probably not. It's a long trip, but... One of the interesting games in the uh, divisional round of the playoffs, which uh, start tomorrow with the Bengals at Tennessee. Titans, three-and-a-half-point favorite, 330 on CBS. Then you have the 49ers and the Packers in the evening game. Green Bay, five-and-a-half-point favorites in that game. 7-15 on Fox. That's the Saturday slate. On Sunday, the two games, the Rams at Tampa Bay. Brady and company, a two-and-a-half-point favorite, 2 o'clock on NBC and the Bills at the Chiefs. Kansas City down to a one and a half point favorite. And that's the 5:30 game, the last game of the weekend on Sunday uh, on CBS. So, uh, how about your boy Tom Brady? You feel confident that they can get it done against the Rams? I, look, Mike, I've learned this firsthand over the years. And I learned it last year when I had no confidence that my team, which hadn't appeared in a postseason game since 2007, was going to make a run all the way from the wild card game to the uh, to the Super Bowl. I have learned over the years that you don't bet against Tom Brady in the postseason. So, particularly with this Rams team, which has had its issues with consistency down the stretch here, it's really hard for me to bet against Tampa Bay. By the way, Mike Evans, that dude might quietly be the best NFL player that nobody talks about. Because he is putting together a Hall of Fame type career. Texas A&M Aggie right there, Mike Evans. I remember before they won the Super Bowl last year, the single greatest moment of my Bucks fandom was when they drafted Mike Evans at 7th overall in 2014. Because I'd watched him over the, last, over the previous couple years at Texas A&M, and I was blown away. I was like, this is the best collegiate wide receiver I've ever seen with my own two eyes. But I didn't think, because he was getting mocked like late first, early second round mm-hmm. heading into the draft. So I was like, no, there's no way they're going to pull the trigger that early. And then they did, and I thanked the Lord above for that blessing. You're right, man. He's had a really good, long career and uh, now has a Super Bowl ring as well. And uh, who knows, may get another one this year. So he, he could be Canton-bound. The thing about Mike Evans is he's a, real, he's a great player, but he's not the diva type receiver like obj or antonio brown or one of those guys uh he's just a solid solid player you know and uh, well he's better than solid he's a great player but you know what i'm saying he's not real super flashy but he gets the job done and you're right he's had a tremendous career and he stuck it out in tampa bay through thick and thin Mm -hmm. that's right and there's been a lot of thin all right, uh, the Rams, again, are a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Uh, the Rams did beat the Buccaneers in Game 3 of the season at SoFi Stadium, 34-24. Uh, to 24. Brady threw for 430 yards, but again, the Rams won that game by 10. So, Tom Brady, uh, what do you think? Does that early season game mean anything that you can uh, take into the game coming up on Sunday? I think that, you know, you got to – all these games are a little bit independent from one another. And yeah, you know, we played them earlier in the year and a very different team we had, I think a little bit of a different team they had too. So um, they're each their own individual type of game. They're going to require their own individual performance and stuff. So I think the point is, is it doesn't really matter what happened, you know, in October when we played them last, it's really about this game and what we learned from the last game. And anytime, you know, your opponent, I think that always gives you a little bit of uh, understanding of kind of, what they do well, you know, things you wish you would have done. Um, but it's a very talented football team. Obviously, one of the great teams in the NFL, 
There you go. Matthew Stafford finally got a playoff victory in that route of the Arizona Cardinals in the last game of the wild card weekend. So the Rams are coming in with some confidence. That's a good defense. That should be a heck of a football game coming up Sunday. By the way, Mike, when you mentioned in passing that Tom Brady threw for 430 yards in week two in that 34-24 loss to the L.A. Rams, it got me thinking about a former Ram of long, long ago. And a record that bizarrely has stood for almost 70 years, and that is Norm Van Brocklin's record of 554 passing yards in a single game. How long is it going to be until we see that record fall? Uh, man, that's crazy. Norm Van, Bro- Van Brocklin played what, like back in the 50s? In the 50s. Yeah, in the 50s. Did you say that? I'm sorry. I was kind of looking at some stats over here. That is, that's amazing. Particularly, um, you know, and team spread the field a lot more. It's a yeah, different you- game. You would have... Th- Mahomes is at what? What's Mahomes' high? Do we know? I don't even know if he's cracked 500. To be honest, I know Ben Roethlisberger came very close. I think he was he put up like 535 a few years back. Eli Manning came close as well. He topped the 500 barrier. But it's bizarre to me that in this day and age, when the game has changed so much, and favors the pass so much more heavily than the run as opposed to the historic arc of football, not just professional football, but football in general, given the fact that there is more spread and more passing than there ever has been. The fact that a single game passing yards record that was set in the fifties still stands is pretty remarkable. That is crazy. That is absolutely crazy. Uh, all right. The games this weekend, um, you've got the one, I don't know how I would rank him. I think I may go Rams-Tampa Bay 1. Um, as much as I don't like the Tennessee Titans, I would love to see the Bengals go in there and win, so I'm going with that number 2 on my list. I know everybody loves Bill's Chiefs. I'm just tired of the Chiefs. I've got Chiefs fatigue right now. I would put them 3rd and then 49ers-Packers 4th uh, on my list, and, and mainly because I think that Green Bay is going to really take care of business in that game. They're the biggest favorite of the weekend, a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Remember in the Super Wild Card uh, weekend that we just went through, five of the six favorites won, and they all covered. So we'll see. Of course, the only one that didn't, the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. Can Shocking. you believe that? Can you believe that? All right. Uh, but Zach Taylor and the Bengals um, – you know, Tennessee with Derrick Henry coming back. Uh, how do you look at that matchup? That AFC playoff picture as a whole right now is tantalizing. It because is. Because you've got the Titans, who have been one of the more solid teams in football over the last four seasons, but haven't broken through and gotten to the Super Bowl yet. They're kind of anachronistic in that their offense very heavily relies on that stud running back rather than the spread-out, wide-open offense and a quarterback that wheels and deals. So it's kind of a throwback to the early 2000s style of football, in a sense. You think about guys like Jamal Lewis and Priest Holmes and, oh, who who am I forgetting? Sean Alexander, those types of guys that would carry their teams on the ground. Derrick Henry's been that guy for the Titans over the last few seasons, so... I think it's a refreshing change of pace to watch the way the the Titans play football. But then on the contrary, you've got a team in the Bills that is very much engineered in the style of the Patrick Mahomes Kansas City Chiefs in that 
Joe Burrow is going to drop back 45, 50 times every single game. He's going to look for Jamar Chase, and Jamar Chase is one of the most dynamic weapons in the entire NFL at the wide receiver position. And you got a running back in Joe Mixon that can do it all as well. So a lot of offense to be had between the Bengals and the Chiefs. And then the Bills are kind of the enigma, right? Because they've been, much like the Titans, they've been close. And you're not really sure what to make of Josh Allen. Is he a prolific quarterback who just can't get it done in the postseason? Or just is when just... you think he's like on the top tier or ready to break through, he's you, you come to the realization, eh, he's not quite there yet, but he's close. He is close, and maybe this is the year where they knock off the Chiefs on Saturday and they play for an AFC title, and it's <laughs> – you think about the history of that organization, too. The fact that they got to four straight oh, Super man, Bowls in yeah. the 90s and lost all four. Thurman Thomas, the Forgotten Helmet, all I of mean, that stuff. If there is an organization that is long overdue for a title, it And is those the fans Bills. are so loyal in Buffalo. I would love to see a Bengals-Bills AFC championship. I think I'm in, with you on that. In Buffalo. That would be fun. With some snow. And I would be very surprised if on the other side we don't get Green Bay and Tampa Bay again. And I think that's an outstanding matchup. And well, I'm going to look forward to seeing that in Lambeau again for the second straight year. Any Anytime you, you get the GOAT against the guy who could end up being the GOAT, but the problem is that he's, nobody's going to catch no, Tom I mean, Brady like, Super Bowl. That is the best quarterback matchup in the history of NFL football in my eyes. It's you have the most one. accomplished quarterback of all time, and you have, for my money, the most physically gifted and talented quarterback of all time. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers is not as likable as Tom Brady. And even if you Is had, Tom Brady that likable? You know, there's some Tom Brady fatigue out there a little bit too, I think. But I still think that Tom Brady is more likable right now than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, listen, I, as you know, I am a massive Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. I've never been much of a fan of Tom Brady. I've had to kind of force myself. I will say, it's a lot easier to root for him than the guy that came before him, Jameis Winston, because Jameis Winston is a scumbag. But it's still not that easy for me to watch Tom Brady take the snaps for my team. Well, I mean, Jameis Winston got away with stealing crab legs. and standing uh, he, got a, he got away with a lot more. Standing up in the student union and uttering a, a, a very uh, tawdry sentence uh, for social media fame. <laughs> You know, because anybody will do anything for social media fame these days. All right, we will take a time out right here. Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, bringing us uh, hour number one here on The Ref. Uh, interesting question that uh, Tyler put out on Sports Talk 1400 and The Ref on uh, Twitter. Your most underrated Sooner of all time. I want to talk about that when we get back, so get your answers ready. I know we've got a lot rolling in on Twitter. You can let us know who your most underrated Sooner of all time is on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, and we'll see how your answers compare with some of the people on Twitter. We'll do that when we get back.
All right, these guys deserve more respect. We're talking about uh, the Sooners who are underrated, and I know we uh, sent that out as a question on the, the Ref Twitter account. Uh, it's been out almost three hours now, and asking you who is the most underrated Sooner of all time. We're getting so, the, the first answer that I see in the comments is my answer. But oh I want to go with one on offense and defense. Steve Davis, quarterback, 1974-75, uh, because OU has so many, you know, when you talk about Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and Sam Bradford and Jalen Hurts and Jason White and Jack Mildren. I mean, a multitude of great Sooner quarterbacks. And uh, Steve Davis won two national championships. Uh, the late Steve Davis. And, uh, you know, he was just a, a really good player. And a great leader, and, uh, you know, even the you think about the 73 team was great as well. So, Steve Davis would be my guy on offense, on defense. I'm going to go with somebody from the Gary Gibbs era. Cedric Jones out of Houston uh, was a sack tackle for loss machine and rarely gets talked about because that era is not necessarily forgotten, especially by hardcore Sooner fans, but... Certainly, those weren't the glory days back then. But Cedric Jones, uh, I, I would be surprised if he still doesn't hold a bunch of uh, Sooner records in terms of sacks, tackles for loss, and because he was he was a monster. So, how about you? My list starts and stops with one guy, and I mean, can can a Heisman winner qualify as underrated? Because I don't believe that Jason White gets half the respect he deserves. You know, and I agree with that because Jason, you know, was so – his knees were, uh, you know, so problematic, and that's why he didn't really get a shot in the NFL. But you talk about a great, hard-working comeback story, Oklahoma kid, you know. And we all thought Jason White was done. We thought he was done. He thought he was done. And he comes back and wins the statue trophy. Are you kidding me? So – I agree. If if there's a way that uh, a Heisman Trophy winner can be underrated, then Jason White, yes, would be that guy. Now, when we talk about the great Oklahoma quarterbacks of the Bob Stoops era, I feel like we talk about Josh Heupel, we talk about Sam Bradford, we talk about Baker and Kyler and Jalen in the Riley days. Jason White somehow gets lost in the shuffle, and he shouldn't get lost in the shuffle. No doubt. He was a stud, man. And uh, I can remember when he came in his first OU Texas game and changed the game with his legs, you know, and then he became one of the most prolific passers in uh, in college football history. And that was a great night. The night that he won the Heisman, just that the culmination of that story, unfortunately, due to health, you know, he never – Got his real shot at the NFL, and I know that had to have been hard for him. But, man, what a great, great player. I want to throw a couple running backs into the discussion as well. One being DeMon Parker. DeMon Parker underrated, yes. He chose to jump to the NFL early. Things didn't really pan out for him in the pros. Packers, I believe, right? Yes, Packers. So, I think, you know, much like Samaj P. Ryan, that's a guy you look at the course of their career as a Sooner, and you say, well, you know what? If they had come back for one more year – Man, they could have been even more special and even more beloved by this fan base. I the like other that. the other guy who was very, very productive in the late two thousands for the Sooners at the running back position that everybody forgets about was Chris Brown. 
Yeah, because it was Chris Brown, DeMarco Murray for a long time. And That's DeMarco right. was the better back, but Chris Brown wasn't far behind. No, he was you a heck of a player. 20, or it was 2008, that that iconic 2008 season. Chris Brown had like 20 touchdowns that year. Mm-hmm. Good player, man. But I still believe if OU had had DeMarco, the uh, Florida result may have been a little bit different. So, uh, but yeah, that's a good call. And here's another great player that I think we're talking about a three time All American who played in the NFL and died way too young, but I still think gets overlooked over time. Rod Schott, great linebacker. Back in the, uh, you know, 73, I think was Rod's first, uh, or maybe that was his sophomore year, like 73 through 75 in that range. Uh, tremendous player, great speed, great tackler, had a career in the NFL. I think he played in the USFL, too, I believe, for a little bit. But a Rod Show, we don't talk about him enough. And the guy was arguably the best linebacker in college football uh, during that era and was uh, easily the big, uh, the best linebacker in the Big 8 Conference back during his time. So sometimes even the great players can be a little bit overlooked with the passage of time and i agree 100 percent on jason white all right that's hour number one we're going to get to your texts 405-651-3439 air comfort solutions text line we'll get to those at the top of the hour keep it here on the ref
Yes, sir. Welcome in to the weekend. It is Friday. Thank you, Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for sponsoring our second hour here on Steelman and Thune. Uh, way afternoon now. We're into the one o'clock hour. Hope everybody's staying warm and uh, you're ready for the weekend. It's a little chilly out there again today here in God's country, Norman, Oklahoma. Here in the Brown O'Haver Studios on a Friday. Coming to the text line in one minute. Riverwind Casino. Friday nights, nice and warm inside Riverwind, and tonight is a is a night where it's the the heat is on at Riverwind. Let me tell you why. It's the eighty thousand dollar rockin' and reelin' promotional giveaway happening at Riverwind from six to eleven thirty. They'll draw out three patrons' names every thirty minutes. 33 names in total, and you could hear your name called. And uh, for these great Friday drawings, if you can get out and uh, play with your wild card, get some points on your wild card Monday and Tuesday, you get five times the entries for the drawing tonight. So a bunch of people are going to be very happy tonight at Riverwind Casino. And uh, hopefully you'll hear your name called. Be a great night to go out and have a meal at Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant or enjoy steak nights. At the River Buffet, not a bad choice, uh, you know, dining-wise at Riverwind. Uh, Chips and Ale's a great little pub restaurant. You guys, I know, probably have all been out to the River Buffet at one time. Steak night, Friday night, Saturday night, seafood night, great brunch on Sunday. So get out there this weekend. Take part in the $80,000 Rockin' and Reelin' uh, drawing tonight, every Friday night in January. Big promotional drawing, and you can win your share of that $80,000 in cash and bonus play. All right, you want to go to the Air Comfort Solutions text line? Let's hit it. So the question to you listeners at the end of hour number one was, the most underrated Sooner of all time. Yes, and that is also out on uh, the Ref's Twitter account if you want to answer it there, but we're getting a ton of those uh, responses coming in on the text line. All right, let's 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 hit a few. J.T. Thatcher, Mike. J.T. Thatcher was really big during the Red October run, also in that 2000 uh, national championship season. Uh, was it the kickoff return he had against K-State that was really big? Uh, yeah, Norman's very own J.T. Thatcher was a good player. Mike Gaddis. Mike Gaddis, man, what could have been for Mike Gaddis? Carl Albert Titan, and uh, there was – Mike Gaddis, I believe in that Bedlam game, outrushed Barry Sanders back in the day. And Mike Gaddis could have been a Heisman Trophy winner, but he had too many knee injuries. If I'd done that, that would be my entire resume. That's it. Outrushed Barry Sanders. That would have been the – what would that have been uh, – what year was that Bedlam matchup? I'm trying to remember. It would have been, what, 87, 88? 87, yeah. Uh, I, I'm almost positive those that was the uh, – I think that Gaddis had more rushing yards. I'd have to go ahead and Google it up. Okay, Mike, another big what if – and this is actually this is one of my favorites. Rodney Anderson. This listener says if it weren't for knee injuries, he'd hold every rushing record at Oklahoma. Most explosive and talented back since AP. I believe you mean AD, mm-hmm. but that yeah. aside. Rodney, yeah, good player. And they've got his younger brother coming in. By the way, you know what's a bizarre little factoid, Mike? If Rodney Anderson hadn't declared for the NFL draft, he would have still been eligible in 2021. Is that not amazing? Yeah. He would have been a a six-year guy, too? Seventh year. Seventh year. Did Caleb Kelly get seven years? No, but Rodney Anderson would have because he had season-ending injuries in 15, 16, and 18. So his sixth year would have been in 2020. He would have very obviously qualified for the medical hardship for his sixth year. That year would have been 2020, but because of the eligibility freeze that year, he in turn would have been eligible to return in 2021. Yeah. By the way, somebody help me out. Listener. 
Somebody on the text line, let us know. I want to know if I'm right on if Gaddis outrushed Barry Sanders uh, in that Bedlam game. Because I want to feel really stupid if I'm wrong. But I, then again, I am stupid, so I shouldn't feel bad. A lot of folks saying Paul Thompson. Paul Thompson, um, in terms of leadership and the way he had to step in, I would, yeah, I would say he's a little bit underrated. Yeah, well, and just the fact that he went from quarterback to wide, wide receiver, receiver to yeah. back to quarterback, team when guy, they really needed him, team program guy. guy, program guy, unlike the me guy from Muleshoe. <laughs> okay, let's see who else people are saying. Antonio Perkins, man, who could forget that 2003 game oh, against UCLA? Was it three punt returns? Three punt returns. Yeah. I mean, arguably, he's, one, he's if not the greatest, one of the greatest uh, uh, punt returners in college football history. I mean, you think about great return. I, like, I think of Devin Hester in the NFL, right? And uh, in college to a certain extent. But, man, Antonio Perkins, uh, super dangerous. We have conflicting reports via the Air Comfort Solutions text line as to who had more rushing yards okay. in that Bedlam game. Uh, one listener says Sanders 215, Gaddis 213. One says Gaddis 214, Sanders 213. Hmm. One says, I think Gaddis was a few yards shorter than Barry. One says, yes, he outrushed Sanders. So, it's I don't know. No, no clear air. answer. No uh, consensus we need an official at this time. Box score. We need an official box score. Thank oh. you for helping, though. Okay, let's see if we have any other names that are cropping up here on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Kale Gundy. Kale Gundy had a nice career, man, no doubt. And again, Kale was uh, somewhat victimized by being part of the Gary Gibbs era, you know. And, uh, you know, they had some losses to Texas that weren't his fault. It seemed like Texas made a play at the end of the game every year, one of the Cash Brothers, especially. Down in the Cotton Bowl, but Kale was a Kale was a really good player, man. I I remember uh, from doing sports radio even back in that day was the fact that Kale. I remember the OU fans who love Kale Gundy, but he ripped his helmet off one time in the end zone. That used to be a thing, and the OU fans just couldn't believe it. It was like the worst thing ever. I correct me if I'm wrong here, Mike. Wasn't Kale Gundy OU's all-time leading passer until Josh Heupel came along? Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, okay, I think we have official word. Drake Dyken, our uh, Drake's the man around here. Yeah, everybody loves the Drake. Uh, Drake tells me that Gaddis had two thirteen and Sanders two fifteen. Yeah, that's right. Somebody said on the text line. Here's here's the distinction though. Uh, so Sanders had two hundred and fifteen yards on thirty nine carries. Gaddis had 213 on, oh, I lost the text here, 18 carries. Hmm. So, Gaddis averaged over, well, I guess not over, but nearly 12 yards per carry in that game. Barry Sanders averaged just about five. You know who had a, a bad day that game? Brent Parker. Hey, his name popped up. Somebody that said Brent Parker was Brent, <laughs> underrated for OU because he dropped the pass in the end zone. <laughs> Brent Parker, what was the movie that Kurt Russell and uh, Robin Williams were in where he dropped the touchdown pass and they they got to replay the game? Wait, Kurt Russell and Robin Williams were in a sports yes, movie? Yes, back in the day. What was the name? Somebody help us out there on the text line, too, because uh, poor Brent Parker. Mike Gundy hit him right in the letters. Where does Drake Dyken fall on the Drake power rankings? Well, I think I, I don't. I do you rate him ahead of the Canadian Drake? Uh, 
Do you rate him? I would, ahead? I, so I would no. rank him ahead of the Canadian Drake, but behind Drake Stoops. So I'll put him at number two. All right. Yeah, that's a good Drake Stoops. Yes, Drake Stoops would be the number one Drake. By the way, <laughs> that is a tremendously underrated Sooner right there, Drake Stoops. Yeah, he's man. He's a tough kid and a good player. Really, and you know what he can do too, really well. Block, also, for his size, big time. Jamel Holloway, another name that's getting thrown around a lot on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, by the way, driver, uh, longtime sports call uh, caller, uh, legendary. Uh, says the Robin Williams, Kurt Russell movie was the best of times. The best of times, yeah. yes. So there you go. Uh, and Drake just went with that too. Uh, Drake, by the way, is Drake's become a big listener. Drake says Brandon Average was absolutely incredible in 2002 before his shoulder injury. Brandon Average, man, was a fantastic safety, number seven. Uh, man, that secondary was so good for Oklahoma. We talked about Derek Strait the other day, but Brandon Average would hit you, and you would, you could feel it up in the press box walking, <laughs> watching that guy play. Heck of a player. Okay. Any, want to get to any more? We're going to wait. Oh, we have so many. So many. Derek Strait makes an appearance. Michael Thompson is a name that was thrown mm-hmm. out there a okay. couple of times. Yeah. Brandon Daniels. Brandon Daniels from Ada. Yes. I remember uh, there was was a thought at one time that during the John Blake era, the Sooners would go to the wishbone and Brandon Daniels would be the guy. Mark Clayton. Uh, Mark Clayton underrated. What do you think? When he got to OU, man, he was scrawny, and uh, you didn't know if he was going to play that much. And all he did was become one of the Sooners' best receivers of all time and had a really solid career in the NFL. Then you have Nate Hibble, 20-3 and as a starter at Oklahoma. Yes, Nate Hibble. And uh, I uh, I made Ryan angry one time, who's done a great job at the OU golf program. Ryan, if you're listening, we love you, man. We love you. Uh, and the Sooners going to have a chance to win it again this year and get back in the mix. But uh, I said that Ryan was a serviceable quarterback, and I heard from uh, – or Nate was a serviceable quarterback at OU, and I heard immediately on Twitter from Ryan, serviceable. So – Got to watch your footing. I know. He was uh, – you know what he did? He won a lot of games, and I always liked – Nate, that was back when I was still kind of, you know, in the reporter stage of my career, towards the tail end of it, where I would do the post-game interviews and media press conferences and everything. He was always really great with the media. He was always very uh, giving of his time. And I can remember him sticking around in post-games. When everybody else was gone, Nate Hibble was still there. A couple more names I want to get to here. Uh, number one is Ronaldo Works. That's a good one. Had the big run against Alabama in Norman that – uh, Dennis Franchoni, Alabama team, 47, Ronaldo Works. And then one last one, and this is uh, this is a case very much so of what could have been, but Austin Box. Oh, man, what a sad story that is, Austin Box. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and that, man, you know, I watched that um, on Hulu, the series Dope Sick about opioid addiction and how people, you know, they go in and they're just prescribed medicine. They were overprescribed, by the way, by an evil company, Purdue Pharma, behind it. Uh, and normal, everyday, great people. I mean, it can, look, it can happen to anybody with alcohol or whatever. 
but and opioid addiction it's just a it's a horrible deal and if you haven't seen that series it's depressing in many parts but it is a great look at how opioids completely took over this community in in west virginia and uh michael keaton was excellent in it but you know i just think austin box should be with us right now you know he should be and uh and a maybe in the real, NFL. Yeah, really, really good player. And I know his family has done a lot to draw awareness to that issue. And uh, our hearts still go out to them because, man, Austin uh, Austin should be here. One more listener says Joe Castiglione Jr. So there that must go. mean Joe Castiglione Jr. is listening. You, they call him Joe C. Jr., right? I mm-hmm. mean, it, it, you have to be J.C. Jr. or Joe C. Jr., right. Do you think he'll wear the fedora later in life, Joe C. Jr.? No, no. I think the fedora is kind of a it's, it's, it's from a kind of Josie original. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's it's that. But Josie pulls it off, and like like we said in his statue, when when they finally get around to Josie's statue, he needs to be with the fedora, right? No question about it. And we put when we put, put the, the fedora on Josie. When we build the Colossus of Stoops that will be straddling I thirty five into Norman, go ahead and Google up uh, ancient wonders of the world Colossus of Rhodes. Go ahead and Google it up Colossus of Rhodes. You'll see it. We are going to build the Colossus of Stoops, and that way a gigantic Bob in visor. You know, we'll just be welcoming you into Norman, straddling both sides of I-35. And it's going to have to be, what, at least 200 feet tall? Oh, at least. Yeah. It'll be huge. It's going to be very costly, but after Bob did, everybody is solid recently. We need that, the Colossus of Stoops. All right, we're going to break right here. More text on the way here in a little bit. And uh, we'll talk about the uh, things happening in the portal. Not much, but we'll get to it when we get back.
Yes, please. At some point, these quarterbacks will figure it out. We're still waiting on word uh, from Jackson Dart and Caleb Williams, maybe to a certain extent, although he is uh, kind of off the radar screen for a lot of Sooner fans right now. But uh, Jackson Dart, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out where Jackson Dart is eating, you know, where airplanes are headed, all of that stuff as we wait on uh, some of these portal decisions. In fact, I believe, uh, you know, it's just, it's it's the waiting. Let's get this going already. Well, we're waiting. I thought to myself, why on earth don't these guys just hurry up? Speed it the hell up. but pro. Yes, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Are we going to have a decision today from Jackson Dart, do you think? Parker? No. No, I don't. I've said yes for each of the last four days. I'm finally saying no. So, uh, you know what? If I jinx it, great. That means what are we the setting? waiting is over. Are we going to set like the over and under at Valentine's Day now for these decisions or what? I I don't know. Everybody Mike. keeps saying, what's the enrollment time? And apparently that really doesn't mean anything. No, it right? really doesn't. Because everybody's like, well, you got to be enrolled by a certain date. Guess what? If you're Caleb Williams or Jackson Dart or somebody of that stature, you can enroll whenever you want to enroll. Yeah, they'll figure it out for you in that circumstance. Yeah. All right, uh, the BYU guys from the Monty Show, that's right, the Monty Show with Monty and Jake, they cover BYU Cougar football. And the BYU dudes, uh, they think that Jackson Dart to BYU right now is very serious. Jackson Dart has the talent to be the best quarterback in college football. Mm -hmm. And I think you have a pretty good idea that if Jackson Dart is under center for the BYU Cougars, they're a better football team. Well, and I think if you're Jackson Dart, you're looking at what's taken place over the last couple of seasons at BYU, and you like what you see. And you also have an opportunity to play against OU, to play against Oklahoma State, to play in the Big 12, to be a reason that BYU has an opportunity to compete for a conference championship their first year. Mm -hmm. Like Everything aligns for Jackson Dart at BYU. But I think Jackson Dart has, a, has that hometown ping for himself. Mm-hmm. I think he has those those pulling at the heartstrings to play at BYU. Because why else would he waste his time? Really? It all lines up? I guess so. According to the, by the way, Jake, we figured out to Jake because it's the yeah, Monty show. So Jake is the guy who sounds like Billy Bob Thornton and Sling Blake. Jake's mm-hmm. the yes guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. I reckon. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So what is, what's your take on their take? Again, I think if you are Jackson Dart – there are merits to all three schools in the picture at this point, right? If you want to go to an LDS school close to home and have that comfort factor and know that you're going to be the starter, well, I guess not know for sure that you're going to be the starter, but uh, be able to play in a very significant capacity whenever the time comes for you to start, whether that's immediately or whether that's after uh, Jaron Hall has moved on, then it makes sense to go to BYU. If all you want is to play right away, it makes sense to go to Ole Miss. If you want to have the opportunity to compete for championships, you go to Oklahoma. That's the way I look at it, Mike. There are pros and cons to all three. And that's not to say one is any better than another. I am not Jackson Dart. That is not for me to say. He has his own set of circumstances. 
He knows the situation far better than anyone else at this point. But that is where I draw the lines in the sand in terms of where he should go. It all depends on what your priority is as a quarterback. If you want to be home, you want comfort, you go to BYU. If you want to play, you want to play right away, you want to throw the ball a lot, you go to Ole Miss. If you want to compete for a national championship and you want to be part of that iconic lineage at the quarterback position in Norman, Oklahoma, you come to OU. Do you think uh, the apprehension, let's say that Dylan Gabriel is still at Oklahoma, but Jeff Levy is not the offensive coordinator. you think Jackson Dart would be here right now? <sighs> to be honest with you, I think Jackson Dart would be here right now if not for Dylan Gabriel. Really? That's really what I believe because, I mean, look, yeah. Jackson Dart started as a true freshman at USC, right? He has demonstrated that he is capable of playing quarterback at the Power 5 level and playing well at the Power 5 level. For a guy like him, I can understand the reticence when it comes to sitting a year behind someone else after flashing that potential and that ability as a true freshman. The thing is, and, and the reason I bring that up is, well, it's it's obvious, you've been paying attention, that yeah, obviously at UCF he worked with, Dylan Gabriel worked with Jeff Lebby. So, uh, and if Jackson Dart, you know, may not be, he may be completely, you know, I want to go compete, that's fine, I'm going fine to go and compete somewhere. But if you are competing and it's like a staggered start, and you've got Dylan Gabriel, you know, already familiar with the system, uh, Jeff Levy's system, you're at a little bit of a disadvantage, even though you may be as talented or more talented. Yeah, again, I think if you're if you're Jackson Dart, you can't count on being Oklahoma's starter in 2022, and that's probably the primary holdup. And, yes, and the bottom line, and then you uh, do you think about it, and then you've got to compete with uh, Nick Evers, you know, uh, so there's going to be a lot more competition at Oklahoma and at BYU. You know, it's pretty much here the keys to the ignition go. Yep. Um, and at Ole Miss, it's pretty much the same circumstance too. So again, if Dylan Gabriel isn't a Sooner right now, I think Jackson Dart's already committed. I'm with you. Yes. And but my question again, let's say that Joe Brady came in, which would have meant that probably Dylan Gabriel, would he be at Oklahoma? Who knows? But if Dylan Gabriel was here and it, the offensive coordinator wasn't Jeff Levy, do you think Dart would be here right now? I mean, I, yes, I don't think. OK, I, well, and yeah, to go to take that a step further. I think if Jeff Levy wasn't the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel wouldn't be at Oklahoma. Yeah, so it would yeah, make all the sense possible. of the world for yeah, right. Jackson Dart to be at Oklahoma. I got you. Um, but again, you're talking about uh, getting two quarterbacks of that caliber through the portal would be very unusual to get both Dylan Gabriel and Jackson Dart going to the same school in the portal. It just norm- – it doesn't it- – do we know of any other situation where two – Quarterbacks of that caliber went through the portal to the no, same school. No, it would be I, a I mean, first. Yeah, that, so it would be a first. And um, if Oklahoma pulls that off, man, that's big. That's it's really huge. Big. It's yeah. huge because the reality is that is such a hard sell. And oh, I know I touched on it yes. already, but to sell a kid who played in a significant capacity as a true freshman on coming to Oklahoma and in all likelihood sitting a year. 
before getting another chance to play. The fact that Oklahoma is in this race and is in very good standing with Jackson Dart when their competitors are two programs in BYU and Ole Miss that can offer Jackson Dart an immediate opportunity to be the guy, that's pretty dang remarkable. It is, yes. And uh, if the Sooners are able to pull this off, man, you're talking about the greatest salesman of all time, Brent Venables, Jeff Levy, those two, man, a lot better than those bums on Glengarry Glen Ross that couldn't sell anything. Ed Harris, and Alan Arkin, and Jack Lemon. Well, Al Pacino was selling some stuff, but, you know, if you've seen that movie, that that's a movie if you ever think you want to get into sales, uh, check that movie out. All right, we got a break right here. We got Brandon Drum coming up. We'll get Brandon's take on everything. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car or a truck. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Coming right back.
Brandon Drum joining us, OUinsider.com, 247 Sports, and uh, he's got all the answers, pretty much all the answers. Brandon, uh, before we get into what's going on with Jackson Dart, uh, big weekend for the Sooners hosting. Uh, tell us what's what's going on and how big this weekend is. Yeah, it's another big weekend, a few five-stars and DJ Hicks. Uh, will be out there. Uh, look, he's a 2023 defensive lineman. He's one of the top players in the country. Uh, he is a guy that Oklahoma has was in decent, decently with with uh, the previous staff. Uh, but you know, when you talk to people around Allen, Texas, when he talked to DJ himself, you know, he talks about his relationship with Coach Bates. You know, he's, he's had a relationship with him for quite some time. Uh, he's a, uh, I, I think it dates back almost to middle school, honestly. So this is, this is a, uh, it's going to be an interesting type of weekend when it comes to that. Obviously they have a couple of, uh, 2022 guys coming in, uh, San Diego, California, four-star defense alignment, Grayson Halton's coming in. Uh, his dad got on one of the OU spaces and was talking about just how excited he was. And they were to visit Oklahoma. You have 2022 four-star edge, R. Mason Thomas out of Fort Lauderdale, Cardinal Gibbons High School. Uh, then you have his teammate, uh, one of the top fastest rising defensive tackles in the 2022 class. He's been getting a ton of offers. And he was going to get those regardless if he would have waited or if he would have, you know, at any point in time. Uh, his senior season was was quite good, honestly. I'm talking about Ahmad Moot. Ahmad Moten, uh, he's one of the top defensive linemen still left out there in the country, and he's he's uh, already landed in Oklahoma City. Uh, they're arriving for their official visit. So Oklahoma has some uh, big-time players showing up, and then none other than Gentry Williams. Oh, you commit for a long time. Uh, he's coming in, and, you know, he's really hit it off with Jay Valai so far. So uh, he's he's – Wow, uh, he's 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 one of the uh, top players in the uh, uh, state, and obviously he is, you know, one of the best players uh, in the country. Honestly, at his position, and uh, Jay Valai has really hit it off uh, with him, and he's he's he seems to be stuck with Oklahoma and, and liking Oklahoma a lot. And you know, you've heard the buzz of Jackson State, you've heard the buzz of Arkansas, you've heard the buzz of Florida, and you know. Oklahoma seems to be holding all those guys off. So, and then you have four-star Jaden, uh, uh, and I just went blank. Jaden Rowe, four-star defensive back Jaden Rowe. He's also going to be there as well. Now, Brandon, you talked about Jay Valai and his relationship with Gentry Williams. Kind of give us a broader sense of what the early returns have been on the last two hires for this Oklahoma coaching staff in Jay Valai as well as Todd Bates. You know, I was talking to a, a prominent guy around the country here just recently, as a matter of fact, this morning, about Coach Bates. And they had nothing but rave reviews to say about him. He's one of the top defensive line coaches in the country. And what he did at Clemson was remarkable as far as his recruiting acumen went, as far as his development went. I mean, he he's known as that guy. I mean, you've got to look at all the guys that he's sent to the NFL from Clemson. And I think that kind of speaks for itself. Uh, then you, you know, obviously have Brian Brisey that's still there at Clemson. 
he became an All-American after two years at Clemson as well. So he's done a really solid job. Now, Jay Belay is another guy that he's a kind of a fast riser. He's young. He's energetic. He's a really solid recruiter. On paper, the class that he brought in at uh, Texas during the one year that he was there before he moved off to Alabama was remarkable. Now, the staff that came in there, they haven't really developed him yet. Uh, but he, he set the the new defensive back staff up before he went on, off to Alabama up really well as far as talent goes. And then, obviously, what he did at Alabama ended up landing some of the top players in the country. He actually beat out Oklahoma while Alabama with the 2021 class landing, uh, you know, a couple of Juco stars, a couple of top high school stars that they were head-to-head with Oklahoma with. And so he knows how to recruit. He knows how to develop. He's just kind of been a guy that's gone from place to place trying to find his fit. He's originally from North Texas. So people kind of feel like, you know, he's going to find a home at Oklahoma and be able to, to stick around a little bit longer than he has at other places. And if he does do that, and you know, we get to see his developmental side. Obviously, Alabama was, you know, they were killed with injuries this past season. And yet there they were making a run to the national title, down to their third string. Now, obviously, Alabama's third string is a little bit different than everybody else's third string. But still, he helped build that up and helped develop those young guys and, and guys that had, didn't have a lot of experience to be able to make that type of run, to be able to, to, to cover the pass as well as they did in the season. And, you know, you got to give him credit for that. And he's, he's really well-respected around the country as, as well. Brandon Drum, 24-7 Sports, OUinsider.com. All right, uh, Brandon, what is the latest you're hearing on Jackson Dart and what kind of percentage chance do you give uh, the Sooners of landing Dart? Oh, man, that's a million-dollar question. I really, really, really think it's a coin flip at this point. I know Ole Miss was in there. You know, people were – and I was told by Ole Miss yesterday, people around there, that – Kiffin was going to be the one showing up there, but you know, people now can't confirm whether he was there or not. And it sounded like it was the assistants that were there. I, I, you know, this has been kind of, you know, a bunch of hearsay when it comes to the old Miss side. And, you know, we know Venables was out there and, you know, they, they stuck around for what, what five or six hours. It felt like whenever they showed up for their uh, in home with him, and then next thing you know, he's off to, to BYU. And BYU's been recruiting him since he was like in ninth grade, I was told. So there's a strong relationship with him. He's obviously of the Mormon church. Uh, so there's probably a, a, an appeal there. But they obviously have a returning starter as well at quarterback. So, uh, you know, this is a strange, strange recruitment. And it almost feels like, he could be waiting on Caleb Williams, but we don't. We can't confirm that one way or the other. So, I think this is a coin flip. It could go one of four ways. I know that's just the most generic, most bland statement I could possibly say. But you know, I, I don't know. The person I talked to out in Utah still this morning texting me that the, their source that's close to that whole situation still seems to feel like Oklahoma is right there, and that they feel like they're going to go to Oklahoma or he'll end up at Oklahoma. I just don't know that I feel that way just yet because of everything that's all up in the air and just all the twists and turns this recruitment's already taken. It just feels like 
nobody really has a pulse on what's going on at all with him. Okay, so what about the other guy, Brandon, and all this, and that is Michael Trigg, the tight end. Let me ask you this. Do you think there is a possibility, do you think there are odds on the table that Dart and Trigg could pick different destinations when this is all said and done? Uh, yeah, I do. If it's BYU, I, I, I think so, because Trigg wasn't on the visit with Dart to BYU. So if, if Dart does go to BYU, I could see this becoming an Ole Miss OU battle once again for Michael Trigg, unless he decides he wants to return to USC, which that just seems like crazy talk at this point. I don't know about you, Parker, but it just seems like that wouldn't be the case with him. If that was, why wouldn't he already have gone back? So they've been in class a lot longer than Oklahoma, from my understanding. Their their ad drop date is, I think, Monday or Tuesday, the last day that they can do it, if I am remembering correctly, because I know they started like the 10th or 11th of school. So uh, this is <laughs> – I think he's waiting to see what Dart is going to do and then he's going to make his decision from there. Obviously, he wants to follow Dart, but if he goes to BYU, I just don't know that that's going to be something that Trigg is really going to be interested in. All right, and real quick, Brandon, before we let you go, uh, uh, tell us that uh, uh, Caleb Williams is going to end up at UCLA. Can you do that, please, so he can get after Muleshoe and hang a half a hundred on him? What do you think's going on there? man, you know, I can say that the LSU-USC stuff isn't, I don't want to say it's not, I don't want to come out and just call it out, but it's not really fact as far as them being in the top two. Now, USC is still in it. LSU did meet with, with Caleb Williams' family, but so did Wisconsin. So did UCLA. So did Georgia. So this is like a five-team battle, and it's a six-team battle if you still want to throw Oklahoma in it. Um, I, I was called that situation with OU and him. I know that there's some buzz out there that, you know, it, it's a – they've separated, and I would go as far to say that's that's probably going to be the case. But what I was told is it's fragile was the – word that was used to me as far as the situation with Oklahoma and Caleb. So um, people didn't want to completely write it off, but it's almost like I would probably say 85, 90% done at this point. I mean, I'm leaving open for, you know, a potential move just, just to do it. But um, I, I just can't obviously see, that being the case, but there's a, it's a five team race, six team if you want to throw Oklahoma in it, and they're not in any hurry. They have UCLA; they can wait till March to enroll there. They have till the middle of February with Wisconsin. So, and obviously you can get waivers for add drop dates. So, this thing is is very 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 much in the air right now. Up in the air right now, um, I would still say. I find it hard for him to not end up at USC, no matter what I'm told. It just in my head, I just can't get out of the fact that you would rather be with something you're more comfortable in, not learning a new offense, than going someplace else. Yeah, and that's just if you're going to leave Oklahoma, that's just always been my mindset on it. But UCLA and Wisconsin and Georgia, 
are right there. Come on, UCLA. Come on, whatever you got to do, UCLA. Resurrect John Wooden to, you know, bring him to sales pitch. Whatever you got to do. Hey, Brandon, good stuff. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next Friday. All right, thank you. Brandon Drum joining us, uh, OUinsider.com, 247 Sports, obviously big uh, recruiting weekend for the Sooners, and they still await uh, really the the word from Jackson Dart more than anything else right now in terms of the portal. All right, we'll break right here. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Appreciate you guys sponsoring our second hour. One more segment to go, the passing of meatloaf. I want to talk about that for a minute when we get back. Stay here.
All right, headed down the stretch, Riverwind Casino tonight. It is the $80,000 Rockin' and Reelin' promotional uh, drawing, 6 to 11.30 p.m. Get out there, hear your name called. They draw out uh, three names every half hour, 33 names from 6 to 11.30. Could be your name called out, and you could win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play. They have two grand prize winners uh, that also they draw out just before midnight. Go out and have a great meal at Chips and Ales or at the River Buffet on steak night. And don't forget about the Super Points and Super Plays promotion that is happening through January 29th. You want to win a trip to the Super Bowl? They're giving away multiple trips. Play with your wild card on specific machines out at Riverwind, the Gaming Capital Group machines. They'll point you in the direction of those machines. There's signage all around them. Rack up the most points. Be among the point leaders on your wild card on those specific machines, and you could win a trip to the Super Bowl, hotel, airfare, tickets to the game, $1,000 in cash to walk around with also. That is the Super Points and Super Plays promotion happening now through January 29th at Riverwind. They are simply the best. They got the best promotions, the best dining, best bars, best concerts when we get those back, and uh, the best service. So check it all out online at Riverwind.com. All right, so Meatloaf passed away. We learned that this morning. Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell album, Paradise by the Dashboard Light, the, the song, um, I would do anything for love. I mean, just absolute classics. I think it was around 1978, 77, 78 for Paradise by the Dashboard Light and that album. I can remember being uh, in junior high school at the time. That's how old I am. Uh, and Meatloaf had a great voice, you know, uh, for rock and roll, for opera. I mean, he was a large man with a big voice, kind of like a rock and roll Pavarotti to an extent. But he also uh, had uh, some anger issues. I can remember one of my favorite episodes of The Celebrity Apprentice way back in the day. Yeah, that's when the former president was had his own reality show, and they had all the celebrities on there. So Meatloaf was on the same team with Gary Busey. And Gary Busey started to get on his nerves Big time. Didn't we cast Gary Busey as Mule Shoe in the movie about the 2021 Oklahoma football season? That's right. He will play uh, Mule Shoe. Okay. Perfect casting right there. But Gary Busey, you know, was doing Gary Busey things, and Meatloaf finally had enough. And they had a challenge to – they had to come up with uh, an artwork project, and they went to the – store to get their supplies and meatloaf couldn't find his art supplies when he got back and he was convinced that gary Busey had taken his art supplies and meatloaf finally had enough he basically spontaneously combusted on gary Busey. okay what's wrong mother what's wrong i bought those mother sponges Part of that pain is mine. I'm sick and tired of you, mother. No, no, hey. no, 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 no. That was all no, mine no. in my basket. Bull, no. mother. No, I have to be Hold on, hold on. You don't want to make you get You don't want to start with me. Me, don't do it. Don't do it. Mother, you do not want to with me. You look in my eyes. I am the last person in the world you ever want to. Do you understand me? You mother you look at me all do it. You'll no. be in the me. hospital in about four minutes. Me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Me, 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 me. 
Look, take him out of here. Take him out of here. Come on, Gary. This was mine. Come on, Gary. It is not yours, you crazy. Don't engage it. Don't engage. Calm down. Don't engage. Cool. Let's just get your stuff. You're fine. You're a good brother. Nah, there, you've got to see that on YouTube, Meat Loaf versus Gary Busey. And uh, they were all holding, it was like Mark McGrath from, uh, what was the band? I, um, um, Mark McGrath was in. Uh, Sugar Ray. Lil John, uh, the dude from Big and Rich. And they're all trying to hold Meatloaf back. And he's physically, the second time around, he tried to come back at him again. And Gary Busey's got this goofy look, and he's like, those are mine. And then later, they found Meatloaf's bag of supplies. So he had to go apologize to Gary Busey. But he had he had, had way too much Gary Busey, and he couldn't take it anymore. You need to see it. That video's on YouTube, and it's it's worth watching because uh, I think if, if – those guys hadn't been there, Gary Busey would no longer be with us right now because he was ready to tear him apart. I kind of don't want to watch it. It's, I kind of want to just take the mental image that I have conjured up based on that audio it's and pretty good. maintain I, it. But I tell you what, the video will line up with what you're thinking because it's Busey looking look, like Gary Busey would lost in space and Meatloaf looking like he is entering a pro wrestling ring. It's good stuff. All right, we've got Locked In coming up next with uh, – Parker and Tyler McComas. Everybody enjoy your weekend. Back here to talk about everything at noon on Monday. Have a fabulous Friday and a better weekend. We'll see you.
Got to be honest with you guys, I'm really digging the uh, new routine around here these days. And hey, thank you, Brent Venables, for making it this way, because you get to work during the morning, you log on Twitter in about eh, 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, you see uh, reports out about OU adding a new coach to its coaching staff. It's great! Every single day, it seems like there's a new report out about OU hiring someone for an off-the-field role or a corners coach or something, and here we go again today. Uh, I guess OU is hiring Eastern Michigan Special Teams Coordinator Jay Nunez to oversee special teams from an off-the-field position. That this is, is great, correct. Parker. How, how about the respect from Brent Venables for the content schedule? Yeah, oh, he, he's just he's just supplying us with new info every single day. A new day. coach every single day. He Isn't didn't, it great? He, you know, he didn't do the Friday news dump on us no. like Muleshoe would do from time to time. Or or what Texas did with Gary Patterson today. Or what Hawaii <laughs> did last week when <laughs> right. the whole Todd Graham situation came to a head. No, I, I just can't wait to see who the new coach is on Monday and who the new coach is on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday are. I think it's fantastic. No, but in all seriousness, for, from what I've heard today or, or you know what I've researched on Jay Nunez, this is a this is a really good hire. And hey, no one's been yelling louder for better special teams than me. And it, the fact that you're giving someone a special teams title though it's kind of an off-the-field position. Let's go! More attention to special teams. Absolutely. It's just another thing that this program's lacking and something else that they're going to put more emphasis on, Parker. Thank God. And how about this, Tyler? Jay Nunez is leaving a role as assistant head coach at Eastern Michigan for this role. Off-field at the University of Oklahoma. Now, I get that Eastern Michigan to Oklahoma – from a strictly football and prestige standpoint, is a big upgrade. But to be assistant head coach at any school and be willing to (laughs) take a step down the ladder and be an off-field special teams guy, uh, (laughs) that speaks to just how well of a job your new employer has done selling you on the viability of the program and your position. It, dude, it really it really does. Um, it's a great point because now you go from, I mean, he has a huge impact on a football team. He gets to make daily decisions. He gets to make game day decisions that directly influence a football game. In, in an off-the-field role, you don't get to do that. You really don't get, you know, all the benefits that Saturday provides for an assistant coach. You're in an off-the-field role. He's taken a... He's taking a pretty big risk here, right? I mean, he, he really is. Now, I'm, I'm going to guess that at some point and probably pretty quickly, he's going to be back to being a full-time assistant somewhere. If it's not an OU, it's going to be at somewhere else. But you have to really be excited about a staff and really believe in what they're trying to sell right now to what you said. Yeah, leave that title for a title that in most places is kind of you know labeled as bottom of the barrel. Like a, a special teams off-the-field coach – most people would view that as, ooh, that's like, you know, that, 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 that's low man right there. That's the low man's job. So that's, and there, that's pretty look, impressive. There, there are more hires coming. Like, this staff is very much still taking shape, and obviously it's been rounded out in an on-field capacity, but the amount of off-field personnel that Brent Venables and the OU football program are bringing in, it, it just speaks to the reality, Tyler, and we've touched on it time and time again. OU's not messing around as they pre- prepare for the transition to the SEC. This program is going to be ready in every capacity, whether that's from 
nutrition or facilities or recruiting analysis, player personnel, whatever the case may be, this is going to be a program that when they transition to the SEC is fully equipped to compete at every level, not just on the field. I am uh, already preparing myself to pass outs during the UTEP game, game one next year. If UTEP, you know, they, they kick the ball off to start the game and it lands at the 10-yard line and OU actually tries to return the kick from the 10-yard line and they just don't fair catch it when it's, you know, midway in the air, I- I'm going to pass out if OU actually shows any sort of effort in special teams next year, just saying, which, you know, not that they got super aggressive in the Alamo Bowl, but my God, they actually tried to return a punt in the game, and look what happened. It felt like the longest punt return in about five years. I guess I think it was the longest punt return of the entire season <laughs> yeah. to that point. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think that's actually hyperbolic at all. I think that's uh, fact. So, yeah, hopefully special teams is a bigger part. And, and you know what? Like a, a whole, Most people probably quantify special team success by touchdowns, right? Well, how good of a special teams you are – you know, how many punt returns did you have? How many kick returns did you have? And how many did you give up? And clearly, that's probably the, you know, the best way to measure how explosive you were on that side of the football. But man, it doesn't have to be touchdowns for you to be a great special teams unit. Sometimes all it has to mean, Parker, is a 10 or a 15 yard return on a punt. Because how many possessions do we see end? And you might say to yourself, wow, with a 10 or a 15-yard punt return, that's the difference in being in field goal range and having to punt it away instead. Or the difference between your opponent subsequently being in ideal field position and being in mediocre field position. Yeah, so it's not all, and we all remember Antonio Perkins taking back punts left and right. That was awesome. I mean, for my money, he's the best punt returner in school history. Sometimes, man, if you can just get that eight-yard return, if you can just put it in the minds of your opponent of these guys don't take special teams lightly, they're really good at it, that's when that's when the opposing team makes mistakes, right? Maybe that's times when the uh, punter absolutely muffs the football and it goes back and you get a big play. Just, just actually putting an emphasis on it and being aggressive on it, I, I, I hope and I'm going to guess that that ends up being more beneficial to OU moving forward under Brent Venables. By the way, over the entirety of the Lincoln-Riley era, Tyler, zero return touchdowns of any kind. Seriously? Zero. Wow. No kick return touchdowns, no punt return touchdowns. Now, they had um, they had like a blocked punt. Austin Stogner's first career collegiate touchdown was on a recovery yeah. of a blocked punt. Yeah. Yes. Um, so... That's not that's not surprising because I've been complaining about it now for five, six years, however long it's been. But zero your entire career? And how many did you let up during that time? I remember well, you, you, I can I can recall at least two. TCU, you let one up or you, you gave one up Kansas State's uh what last year? You, I mean, so you're we're probably o- talking o- about o- Lincoln Riley's last game yeah. up in Bedlam. So they were a giant net negative. In special teams, where, where when OU plays, when OU plays a schedule, they have more talent than what ninety five percent of the teams that they play. You'd Pretty figure. good number, yep. right? And after what six years, five six years of being a head coach, you're a net negative. You got the better team ninety five percent of the time, and you got you got outworked in special teams 
uh, virtually every single game. That's that's pretty embarrassing. And you lost your chance for a seventh straight conference title this year because you surrendered a kick return touchdown and you muffed a punt that set Jeez. the opponent up with first and goal. Woo! Let's hope those days are over, buddy. Let's hope those days are over. That is uh, it's pretty embarrassing. And guess what? I don't think that that mentality is changing a whole lot out there at USC. Just saying. I would expect Utah to uh, block a punt or run a kickback next year. How soon do USC fans figure out what they're really in for? And that the vision that they've conjured in their heads doesn't actually align with the product they're going to see on the football. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be about towards the tail end of year one, you know? <laughs> tail end of year one, beginning of year two, it's because there's just such high expectations out there. They they think that they made a hire where overnight all of a sudden their football program is back. It's elite. Okay, good luck with it. Um, you're taking a coach that a lot of us here think is overrated, and he's taking over a 4-8 and eight roster. But, hey, if you want to believe that he's going to go 11-1 and one next year and take you to the Rose Bowl, by all means, and buy guess into what? it. All those USC fans, too, I mean, they are pounding glasses of the Benny Wiley Kool-Aid hand over fist right now. <sighs> they like those kettlebells out there, do I they? Guess, I guess so. Not surprising out there on the West Coast. Uh, they'll, they'll be kettlebell you out there. That's what they'll be. <laughs> Hey, um, Lane Kiffin, is he talking to every single transfer or, or, or every quarterback in the portal this offseason? I mean, listen, I I get him wanting to hedge his bets, right? Because if you end up without Jackson Dart and Dart ends up at Oklahoma or ends up at BYU and the only guy capable of starting on your roster is Luke Altmeyer and Luke Altmeyer, like you have to look Luke Altmeyer in the face every day. And you know that he's looking at you and thinking, you tried to recruit over me. Yeah. That's not a very healthy dynamic. Yeah, and, so. and that was exactly my takeaway is like, all right, Luke Altmeyer got in the Sugar Bowl and people are excited about him. He was the heir apparent to Matt Corral going into 2022 and Ole Miss pursued Caleb Williams. Uh, they pursued Jackson Dart. They're pursuing JT Daniels reportedly today. And who, who knows who else in the portal? Luke's got to be sitting there right now like, Dang, Lane, do you like me or or not? Because every every big fish that's in this thing or that some would even consider a little bit overrated, you're going after. Okay. I have a Lane Kiffin story. Oh, I'd like to hear it. It's a good one. It's a doozy. So I have a connection to a current FBS staffer who was on staff at USC with Kiffin back in the day. I'm talking like early Pete Carroll days when Kiffin was a GA. Norm Norm Chow, not Norm Chow. It was not okay. Norm, not Norm Chow. No, but <laughs> so apparently, while Lane Kiffin was a GA at USC, somebody made the joke that he was probably the type of kid to get beat up and get his lunch money stolen. I, I could see that. So then, this the way it was told to me is like after that, we all just called Lane Kiffin Coach Lunch Money. Wow, wow. That was his really? informal moniker. Dang. So. Well, uh, or Coach O was on that staff out there when he was there, right? So I, I can't imagine Coach O trying to, or actually not trying to, bullying Lane Kiffin when he was out there at SC. So, I mean, Ooh. there you go, Jackson Dart. You want, uh, you want Coach Lunch Money? You want Jimmy Green Beans? Yeah. Well, or you want to stay home at BYU? Dude, am I wrong for thinking, and I heard you say this with Steely earlier, that the longer this goes on, the more and more confident that BYU's getting, and I agree with that, 
Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that I've talked to anybody from BYU or anything, but I'm almost starting to view like the main competitor in this whole thing as BYU instead of Ole Miss. I, I understand that sentiment. I still think Ole Miss very much has a chance in this race because Ole Miss can offer something that OU can and that BYU can, and that is a guarantee that you are the starter day one in 2022. Obviously, that guarantee is not on the table at OU, and BYU has an established starter in Jaron Hall. So those two programs cannot offer Dart the surety of being the immediate guy at the quarterback position the way Ole Miss can. But as I said before, the longer this drags out, the more confident BYU is going to get, as they should, because the fact that BYU wasn't on anybody's radar three days ago and he ended up taking the campus visit, and we're sitting here on Friday, Tyler, and there's still no decision finalized, everything kind of points toward BYU having at least some legs in this whole ordeal. Yeah, which which is weird. I thought it was OU and Ole Miss. You know, that, that's one and two the entire time. Then I, I think we all know how recruiting works by now. If there's a school that gets in late and the timeline is fuzzy on when he's going to announce and we're not hearing anything, you start to wonder a little bit more and more like, ooh, is this going to be the surprise team at the end? It, it, it's interesting though, right? Because Ole Miss, you're thinking to yourself, oh, okay, well, I'm sure that an SEC school like Ole Miss – they're offering him a starting job immediately, and who knows what else they're offering, if you know what I mean. Like, BYU, I don't, like, you don't really have the thought that they're doing anything like, I guess it's not illegal anymore, but like, not doing anything that maybe Lane Kiffin would offer or anything like that. Like, BYU seems like they're a pretty squeaky clean program, you know? So you're might, maybe not having to deal with the shenanigans with them like you are Ole Miss. Yeah, no, they definitely don't seem to be as sleazy as Coach Lunch Money likely. <laughs> is behind the scenes yeah but yeah but reportedly Kiffin met with JT Daniels and Jermaine Burton today uh here's another one of those supposed package deals Parker like we've been talking about uh with Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg as well uh what's a better package deal is it Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg or is it JT Daniels and Jermaine Burton is that I mean that that's a serious question yeah Oh, it's Dart and Trigg, 1,000%, just because Dart's ceiling is so much higher than Daniel's, and it's a quarterback that's going to make way more of an impact on your team than a tight end or a wide receiver. So I think by virtue of the fact that Dart has the long-term potential to be that dude, be a Heisman Trophy contender, be one of the best quarterbacks in college football, any package deal that includes him far surpasses the worth of a package deal that includes JT Daniels. Jermaine Burton may be the better tight end, but yes, it, it it's Jackson Dart and it's Michael Trigg who's the uh, better package deal. But it is interesting. We're seeing like all these uh, quarterbacks and receivers, tight ends, whatever, that, uh, are, that's starting to become a trend in the transfer portal. Hey, now. maybe uh, JT Daniels and Jermaine Burton will end up at Texas because apparently Texas has like 50 scholarship spots. Yeah, no kidding, right? Uh, they just got Jaleel Billingsley, a tight end from uh, Alabama. Like, when, when, when is that program going to stop signing players? Who uh, did not play well in the national championship game, by no, the way, No, he's, he's had his ups and downs, and he was in Nick Saban's doghouse for much of 2021. Yes, so. he was. I, <laughs> if you end up in the doghouse at Alabama, culturally... I don't think things are going to go all that well for you at Texas, but I could be wrong, and maybe it's an opportunity for Jaleel Billingsley to see the field in a much expanded capacity, and 
become an elite performer. Who knows? But I I don't know. Any obviously anywhere is a downgrade from Alabama in terms of culture. And when you're not really when when you're what one would classify as a bad egg in the culture at Alabama, it probably doesn't translate well. Yeah, if you want to talk anywhere. about culture, it seems like Alabama and Texas, the difference in those two cultures are about as opposite as you can get in major Division One college football. All right, hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. We'll get to those next and more. It's a Friday right here on Locked In. It's the home of Sooner fans. We're the ref.
Locked in with McComas and Thune on this Friday. Hey, Parker, what's your birthday month? February. So, according to that, there is a graphic up on our Facebook and Twitter page. If you're not following, following us on Facebook, what are you doing? The Ref Sports Radio Network and on Twitter, at Sports Talk 1400. So, Governor Kevin Stitt issued an executive order this week that permits state employees to work as substitute teachers. So, your birthday month is the former or current OU coach that's your substitute teacher. And since Parker's birthday month is in February, that means OU softball head coach Patty Gasso is your substitute teacher. Yes! Nice job. Yes, I can roll with that. Uh, January is my birthday. That means Porter Mosier is oh, wow. my substitute teacher. So uh, we'll both be standing or sitting pretty straight up with uh, those two individuals right there. Porter's going to make it a pizza day. Yeah, you know that, I would so. not be back talking that substitute teacher, though. You know, there's no there's no clowning. Uh, there's you'll be no running suicides around. real quick. No clowning around in uh, that class. March is OU men's gymnastics coach Mark Williams. April is OU head football coach Brent Venables. May is Mule Shoe himself. And there's a lot of May birthdays out there on social media that are not happy with us right now. I so, bet. Uh, I, I had to pick a random month to put old Mule Shoe in there, and I put him smack dab in the middle of the graphic right there in May. June is Lon Kruger, who would be the nicest substitute teacher of all time, right? I mean, that's the that's probably the dream scenario. Oh, my gosh. To have Lon Kruger as a substitute. Lon Kruger, he'd probably be the type of guy to do that, too. Just, like, be Seriously. a substitute teacher <laughs> <Right>. in retirement. <laughs> and he would he would not uh, ask for pay for it, either. Uh-huh. July, Billy Tubbs. Let's go. That'd be a Fast, fast-paced, high-action type of class. I'd be all over that. August is Barry Switzer. Uh, for multiple reasons, that would be awesome. Maybe you could even light up a cigarette in class. Who knows? September is OU women's gymnastics coach KJ Kindler. That'd be fun. Uh, October is Ginny Baranchek. Again, another one where uh, you might have to sit up in class. November is Bob Stoops. I- I'm talking current Bob Stoops, not old Bob Stoops. Current Bob Stoops? That that class might be the most fun of them all. Drinking some rock and roll tequila, maybe, in six oh, hours. Let's whoa, go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up now. We're drinking rock and roll tequila in class? Yeah. Uh, and, and, of course, December, that would be Kelvin Sampson. Now, I, I know that there's uh, a little bit of a love-hate relationship with Kelvin Sampson. Some would say that the class would get started off fast, and then it would come to a screeching halt the final 30 minutes or so. But, uh yeah, Kelvin Sampson on there. I I would uh, Kelvin Sampson might not be the most exciting substitute teacher out there, but I'm sure that he would still get the job done. You want to go to a bad take via the Air Comfort Solutions text I, line, Tyler? I love. I give out bad takes all the time, so I I like it when other people. This give is them. a bad take via the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Michael Trigg caught no passes in eight of the twelve games that USC played. Why do we care about him? Okay, well you know what, Tyler. Jalil Farouk caught no passes in 11 of 13 games at Oklahoma. So, you know what? Screw it. Let's let him walk. Yeah, he looked like um, the best player of the Alamo Bowl. Uh, Clayton Smith only played three games total in 2021. So, you know, uh, kick him to the curb. Clearly, he shouldn't stick around. Look, yes, Michael Trigg, his his numbers coming in aren't aren't great. There's no doubt about it. But, like, the hope is in a Jeff Lebby offense and just, I mean, you can just tell the kid's an athlete. Football player, basketball player. What's he like? Six foot four. He's got hops. Like if you use him the right way, and if you develop him the right way, 
yes, the numbers so far have not looked great, but that's a guy with a pretty high ceiling at the position. He was also a true freshman in 2021, and I can think of many an example, Tyler, where a guy didn't play at all as a true freshman and ended up having a really, really good collegiate career. And in some cases, take a look at Johnny Manziel and Jameis Winston as case studies. They go from not playing as a true freshman to winning the Heisman Trophy the next year. Yeah, yeah, I, I won't uh, I won't be judging Michael Trigg if he comes to OU uh, based on his numbers from last year. Uh, look, no one from USC had good numbers last because year. Because USC sucked last year. I guess Jackson Dart's numbers were okay, but he might actually be the only one. Uh, any other good or bad takes on the Air Comfort Solutions sex line? Uh, that was about the only take. Okay, this listener says Samson would be on his phone texting too much. Okay, guys, I saw that <laughs> one on Twitter. Jeez, it's funny, but, you know. Pretty good one. Okay. Uh, one of our mm-hmm. listeners in Tulsa says, if Dart selects another school because they promise him the starting job and OU is making him earn it, it seems he would be lacking in confidence that he could win the job, and I'm not sure OU wants any quarterback that is not confident in himself. I don't, yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I don't I, think I, so. I don't I'm that. not – like, if a kid is being promised a spot to start right away and he goes there, I'm not going to say, yeah, he was just scared of competition. I, I don't I, – I, I, yeah, I, I won't put that on no, the No, and like, like I was saying with Steely uh, a couple hours ago, Tyler – it's fair for a guy who played a lot as a true freshman and played good football as a true freshman to not have to take a year and wait in line. You know, it's understandable that he would want to take what he did in 2021 and try to build upon it as a full-time starter somewhere like Ole Miss or BYU. So if Jackson Dart doesn't end up in Oklahoma, look, I get it. I completely understand because – He's going to have to sit behind Dylan Gabriel. Gabriel's going to win that job. He's got a leg up in Levy's offense because of the knowledge and the background that he has in it. And then you'd assume he starts for a year, probably puts himself in a pretty good standing in terms of the NFL draft, and then it starts job in 2023. But I very much understand if Dart doesn't want to wait that long. Okay, and I've already said this a few times, but I I would like the opportunity to say it again. Jackson Dart, I I don't know when he's going to make an announcement surely it's going to be by the end of next week. But if OU doesn't get Jackson Dart, can we all promise each other that we're not going to freak out over it? Because would it be nice to have him in, in uh, for quarterback depth, for, for a chance to be the starter next year? Absolutely, yes. That's why we're talking about it so much. It'd be great for OU if they got Jackson Dart. But if they don't, they're going to be okay. It's not going to be that big of a deal at the end of the day. You've already got your starter, Dylan Gabriel. Uh, you've got a true freshman quarterback coming in. Jackson Arnold, the crystal balls today on 24-7 sports. Uh, OU is looking very good for that one. So when it comes to quarterback, OU will be fine with or without Jackson Dart. So I just I want to make sure we're all good if it doesn't go OU's way. That's all. Here's a thought to be the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Let me float this by you guys. What if next year we establish a commitment date, i.e. by this date you have to make your commitment? Would this help? I'm just wondering how you enforce that. Yeah, like, I mean, if OU was doing it by themselves, I don't think that that'd be the best idea. Now, there's some thoughts out there that to kind of regulate the transfer portal, there's a like deadline day to where you can enter into it, so it's just not like random days out of the calendar year. But yeah, I don't think OU will really ever get to that point where this is like for everyone out there. Here it is, take it or leave it. Here's the day. Uh, one listener says, what has Gabriel done besides play in Lebby's system? Mediocre at UCF, 60% completion rate, 
as opposed to Dart playing major high school competition and Power 5 competition. I I really don't know what there is not to like about Dylan Gabriel. His touchdown-to-interception ratio at UCF, Tyler, was 70-14. to 14. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's 5-1. to one. For those of you that struggle reducing fractions, five to I, I, one. I do. I do struggle with that. Now, by the way. that's me. Last I checked, sixty percent completion rate is just fine. In fact, that's the by many. That's what many consider the benchmark. Well, is you complete sixty percent of your passes or more, that is above average. Sixty percent or less is below average. Yeah, but we're used to seventy percent completion seasons I understand with Baker Mayfield, that. Kyler Murray, and those guys. But I, I, I hear you. Yeah, let's, I hear you. let's let's lower the standard. And, and, and a I bit. would I would guess that like nowadays in college football and the success that OU's had at quarterback. Yeah, you look at sixty percent and you say, "Ooh, is he just not that accurate of a passer?" I don't believe that, and I believe next year his completion percentage number. And maybe I'm wrong about this, but I believe it's going to be. Not only higher than 60%, but it's going to be much higher than 60%. I'm not going to sit here and guess that it's going to be 70% or anything like that, but 66, 67, I think that's a very realistic And number. let me say this. There's a reason why Spencer Rattler completed, what, 77% of his passes in 2021 for Oklahoma. It's because his passes were traveling like six yards. If you watch the way that Dylan Gabriel plays football, you understand why his completion rate is 60% because dude's taking shots down the field. Yeah. It's like there's no quarterback that plays that type of ball that Dylan Gabriel does and is going to be completing 70, 75% of his passes. It's just not plausible. Kendall says, Did I just hear you pounding the desk to emphasize your approval of a special teams coach? Yes, that's where I'm at with special teams at OU. All right. They could hire a guy from Eastern Michigan that's going to be an off the field special teams coach. And by God, I'm excited about it. Let's go. Let's start returning some punts, returning some kicks. Uh, let's start blocking some punts again. Let's let's get all aggressive on special teams, please. Let's go. Because I tell you who is emphasizing special teams, and it is very good on special teams year in and year out, uh, that'll be Alabama and Georgia, the two programs that you're chasing right now. Uh, they're also good on punt, uh, punt, punt coverage. They're also good on kickoff coverage. The teams that you are chasing right now, the hump that you are trying to get over, the teams on the other side, yeah, they emphasize special teams and they do it at a high level. So, by the way, I'm, I'm not, not the only one. I'm not sure how many days in a row we're going to have to answer this question. Someone unfailingly asks it on the Air Comfort Solutions text line every single day. Are you still confident in Gentry Williams signing with OU? I am more than confident Gentry Williams is signing with OU. Any buzz for Jackson State or Florida or what have you? is entirely apocryphal. He's going to be a Sooner. He's visiting this weekend to catch up with the new staff and see the campus one more time before he puts pen to paper on National Signing Day. Gentry Williams isn't going anywhere, people. Let's put that narrative to bed. Are you going to the basketball game tomorrow? I will be there. Okay. I don't know how much this costs, but I am going to call someone at OU and pay for like a message on the uh, video board and it's going to say, hey, Parker, is Gentry Williams still going to OU? <laughs> it's going to be uh, up there somewhere around the uh, like the first media timeout in the second half. So w- watch out for that if you maybe, don't mind. Maybe Gentry will be at the game, and I can just pull him down and hand him a microphone and be <laughs> like, can you deal with this? Hey, by the way, speaking of the basketball game tomorrow against Baylor, uh, there's some news out regarding some injuries. We'll tell you about that on the other side. Keep the text coming. 405-651-3439 on the Air Converse Solutions text line. More to come. It is the ref right here on the Home of Suter fans.
Oh, Tyler, it is a banner day for bad takes on the Air Comfort Solutions. Good, yes! Let's go! Keep up the bad takes. Oh, I love boy. it. I, I feel more secure in myself when other people say dumb things. How about this not one? Just me. How about this one? If Jackson Dart wasn't at USC or didn't have interest in you, he wouldn't be spoken of. Feel like he's overrated. No offense, there are better QBs. Okay, well, first off, if he didn't have interest in OU, obviously he wouldn't be spoken of because why would we be wasting our time? Can I just pound the gavel real quick on this whole Jackson Dart sucks because, you know, his numbers weren't great and Michael Trigg was great. Um, I have an opinion that the greatest quarterback at OU of all time is Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think Baker is the greatest quarterback uh, in OU football history. Hey, what happened to Baker Mayfield his freshman year at Texas Tech toward the end of the season? Well, let's see. He got injured, uh-huh. as I recall, lost the starting job ah, to Davis Webb, yeah. and decided to hit the road. Lost the starting job, and Texas Tech wouldn't even offer him a scholarship at the end of the year. So by that, right there, Baker, why weren't we saying that he totally sucked coming out of Texas Tech? Oh my God. He, he went in there as a walk-on. He started a few games, threw a lot of interceptions, and then got replaced, and they still didn't offer him. Why would Oklahoma want anything to do with this kid? Tech didn't want him. Why would we want him? Well, he just ended up being the best quarterback in school history. That's all I'm saying, okay? Yeah, Heisman Trophy, number one pick, all that jazz. But no, okay, back to this text. If Jackson Dart wasn't at USC or didn't have interest in OU, he wouldn't be spoken of. Again, if he didn't have interest in OU, obviously we wouldn't be saying his name because there would be no reason to waste our time. The fact that he was at USC, Tyler, tells you that he is capable of playing Power 5 football. <laughs> and the fact that he, the fact that he made starts as a true freshman tells you that he is more than capable of playing football at the Power 5 level. Now, as for the he's overrated, there are better quarterbacks, the national consensus right now, this is not one opinion, this is the national consensus, is that there is one quarterback in the transfer portal market this offseason who is more talented than Jackson Dart, and that guy is the guy that's leaving Oklahoma. Yeah. So again, I'm not sure what people don't see in Jackson Dart because I've been watching this dude for years, and he is all that. I, I just think it's frustration at this point. It's everyone is wanting him to just hurry up and make a decision. So the longer it goes on, the more people are frustrated, the more I think some individuals look for an excuse to, to hammer the kid. But so. I mean, like, mobility, arm talent, size, intangibles, it's all there. Top 100 overall recruit in the class of 2021 top 10 quarterback and we have pip- people sitting here and saying he's overrated oh you doesn't need him sure oh you doesn't need him but they sure would love to have him yeah absolutely hey big basketball game tomorrow two o'clock inside the lnc number five baylor comes to town oh you looking to snap a three-game losing streak this would be a big time win tomorrow which by the way if you're not going to the lnc if you can make it to the lnc Try to make it out. They could really use your support tomorrow. But if you just can't, like a little bit of a heads up, this game is on ESPN+. Plus. So I know that that's going to bug a lot of people, but it is an ESPN Plus game tomorrow. How? I Well, there's a lot of Big 12 basketball games to where you say, what? Why is that on ESPN+. Plus? I feel like KU and Iowa State played a game recently, which was like a top 15 matchup. That was on ESPN Plus. They just put they put good basketball games on there to try to 
drive up subscriptions. It's lame. It's annoying. I know, but yeah, they, just they, a, just a they, heads up. That's where it. That's where yeah, they, will, they will not be getting a subscription from me. They will, it is having the opposite effect. I am. I will slander them on the radio rather than purchasing a subscription. Porter Moser said today that Ethan Shagwa is going to be out again. That's big news for OU, and he also anticipates that CJ Noland will be out as well. Um, I did not see the play that C.J. Nolan got hurt on until Toby tweeted it out earlier today. I mean, <laughs> Mitch Lightfoot basically just slammed him right in the face during the middle of a play, and nothing was called on it. So, a li- little odd there. Yeah, I hate to see that for a guy Actually, like- a foul was called on Mitch Lightfoot about a second after he hammered C.J. Nolan in the face. Oh, so you got a little two-for-one there. Yeah. Yeah, C.J. Nolan, man... That guy's got such a high ceiling. I'm really hoping that OU can get him back in action soon because I think he has the opportunity and the ability to be one of the most exciting players in the Big 12 by season's end. I think he's that good. Well, they're going to need him to be for sure. Um, He's shooting 61% from the floor and 48% from three, Tyler. Yeah, he's... That dude's no joke. He's one of the bright spots that we've seen so far throughout the season. Um... What, Bracketology, OU is a 10 today, CBS has them at 11, so they're still comfortably in the field of 68 at this point. I don't know, man, like, I, I would have to favor Baylor going into tomorrow's game. I, I haven't seen a spread yet. I'll probably pick Baylor to win a close one, two, three points, something like that. Uh, this would be by far and away their biggest win of the year. How, how confident are you feeling Heading into this game on Saturday. I think there's a cautious sense of optimism based on two things. One, the way Oklahoma played Baylor at the Farrell Center a couple weeks ago. And two, the direction that this Baylor basketball team is trending in after losing two straight last week at home. So, again, cautiously optimistic that the Sooners can hang in this one and maybe pull out an upset victory. However, you also have to keep in mind... OU's on a three-game losing streak of their own, so they're not exactly playing their best ball as of late. Especially offensively, man. Offensively, they're not at all, and it doesn't help when you're shorthanded. If Shagwall's going to be out, who Shagwall played extremely well in that Baylor game from what I can remember, Um, and, of course, not having C.J. Nolan in there, that's tough too. By the way, uh, for all you Tech fans out there, I hammer you all the time as a fan base. I really hammer your student section. I say that you're the worst fans in the Big 12 all the time. Uh, I bow down to you today because you did something yesterday that was awesome and one of the the more cooler things I've seen so far this year. I don't know if you saw this or not, but Texas Tech plays at Texas, right? And Chris Beard left Lubbock to go to UT. He did. And Tech hates Texas more than any other school. I know it seems like Tech Understandably hates so. everyone, and that is true. Tech hates everyone, but they really hate Texas. So Texas Tech found Texas Tech fans, they found the code to buy UT tickets, and they crashed the website because they bought up all the remaining tickets for the basketball game in Austin and basically left no tickets available for Texas basketball fans when uh, Tech goes down to Austin. Isn't that awesome? Wow, so that building's going to be packed with Raiders. I don't know if it'll be packed with Raiders, but it definitely won't be packed with Texas fans because they don't have any of the tickets that are available because Tech fans bought them all and it's sold out now. Man. That that venue, that arena that Texas plays in, the Irwin Center. It's the worst. 
I can't imagine willingly making a pilgrimage there from Lubbock, Texas. But yeah. I, you know, to stick it to Chris Beard, maybe it's worth it. Yeah, there is no atmosphere at all in the drum, man. I mean, it is really set up. I, I don't even know what it's set up well. I don't think it's even set up well for concerts. It, it's definitely not set up well for basketball games. It's just so pushed back, and it, I don't know. They're, they're getting their new arena, what, the Moody Center coming up next year. They it need looks, it desperately, that, man. That thing looks like a nuclear reactor or something. Yeah, which the game is not until February 19th in Austin, by the way, so it's okay, not like okay. Saturday or anything. But it's still awesome that Tech fans got in there and bought up all the tickets before Texas fans could. It's pretty great. We'll get to your text one more time on the final, on the final side. 405-651-3439 is the Air Conference Solutions text line. More to come next.
This hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune brought to you by Chapel Supply. Chapel supplies you with the tools to tackle any power washing job, residential or commercial. They can also service all brands of power washers. Check them out, chapelsupply.com, or visit their location, 6509 West Reno Avenue in Oklahoma City. Chapel Supply, bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Tyler? Travis died at USC. Yeah, I just saw that, actually. How about that? Yeah, over 1,600 all-purpose yards, which I believe led the Pac-12 this past season. Uh, 1,271 rushing yards, 16 touchdowns. And a guy that OU fans will remember because I think we all left with um, some respect for Travis Dye. Like, okay, kid's not very big, but he runs hard. He wears no gloves as a running back, which is pretty cool. Travis Dye, uh, OU Nation, Sooner Nation respects you. But just get ready to have about a 38-yard carry and then not see the ball again for about uh, two more possessions because that's what you're about to experience at USC. So just get ready for that, Travis Ty. Just saying. Break off a big run and then three straight incompletions in uh, a punt. Life in the mule shoe offense isn't all it's cracked up to be. That is true. Hey, what kind of a weekend does OU have coming up? Any any recruits coming to town or hosting anybody big? What's what's on the docket? Yeah, so this weekend the visitors, obviously uh, you got Gentry Williams coming to town. you got Jaden Rowe as well. Uh, but in terms of guys that are not yet committed to Oklahoma – some pretty big names. Grayson Halton, who's committed to Oregon right now, four-star defensive lineman out of the San Diego area. And then the Cardinal Gibbons teammates from the state of Florida are Mason Thomas and Ahmad Moten. And for the life, I'm completely spacing on who else is. Oh, 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 that's that's right. I, I know why I'm spacing, because I'm not allowed to say the name. Oh, there's, <laughs> there's, there's another official visitor in town. So. what a tease. you got to go to OUinsider. Can you even learn that one at OUinsider.com? Yeah, or? OUinsider.com, 50% Man. off this weekend if you want all the juice. How about that? All the stuff that I can't spill on the radio waves. That is the place to go. It's on the 24-7 Sports Network. So, uh, yeah, myself and Brandon Drum been keeping up with a, uh, a busy last couple weeks, both via the transfer portal and in the world of recruiting for the Sooners. So yeah. I think at this point, more than anything else, we're just all waiting on the Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg news to drop. Yeah, but it'd be cool if we see a uh, locked emoji come out on uh, Saturday, Sunday, Wouldn't or, or Monday. Nice? You know, that, yeah. that, I think that that would get uh, everyone sane again around here while we're waiting for Jackson Dart to, to make a decision. By the way, I'm putting the over-under at one and a half, and that is LOL tweets from you. And a lot of times, really every time. The, the circumstance is the same. <laughs> yes. It, the circumstance is Every time the same. I see Parker tweet out an LOL, I'm like, uh-oh. Someone's saying it's down to USC or LSU for Caleb Williams. Dean's report is making the rounds, man. Everyone's, everyone's going with that these days. I know that makes you happy. Yeah, something like that. No, you talk about no timetable. There's no timetable for uh, Caleb Williams either. Surprise, surprise. Which, hey, we we made it this deep into the show just, without mentioning him I, today. I'm pretty proud. I just I don't want to say something mean, so I won't. But I look at this point in time, Caleb Williams. It's pretty certain. It's pretty obvious, pretty evident that he's not coming back to OU. And OU fans would obviously like to see him go to UCLA so that they can at least root for him against Muleshoe. But definitely a couple other schools in the mix. I don't know where LSU is coming from at all, but 
naturally the connection to USC is Come there. on now. If you want to get developed as a quarterback, all right, you go to Brian Kelly, okay? That's that's where I you go. I, I'm biting my tongue. Brian Kelly tongue. is an elite developer of quarterbacks. There's no doubt about that. All right, uh, appreciate Parker. We'll talk to him on Monday. The Rush, coming up next. Keep the text coming, 405-651-3439, right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.